What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Workers are dying on the job from excessive heat, deaths that might have been prevented at construction sites and in farm fields. An investigation by NPR and the investigative reporting unit of the Columbia Journalism School examined hundreds of these cases, and they found that OSHA, that's the federal agency charged with protecting occupational safety and health, that OSHA has known for decades how to prevent deaths from heat, but they have not acted. NPR investigative correspondent Cheryl W. Thompson has our report. This is the cornfield where, three years ago, a migrant worker collapsed. Cruz Urias Beltran had spent nine hours detasseling corn in the sun-baked fields in Grand Island, Nebraska. It was hot, at least 90 degrees. He had one bottle of water and no shade. At the end of the day, the other farm workers emerged from the field to board a bus to a nearby motel for the night, but not Beltran. Yeah, hi, this is uh, Joseph Rivera. And uh, we run the detachment crew, but there's been a guy missing now for a few hours. They thought maybe he went home because they couldn't find him in the rows, and the company went out there, and they can't find him. And a frantic Rivera organized a search party. They found Beltran's body 20 hours later amid the corn husk, that empty water bottle stuffed in his pants pocket. I would say he just had a heat stroke. I mean, just collapsed there and... That's where he landed. That's Michaela Norman, a clerk at a local funeral home who retrieved Beltran's body that July day. It was the third day on the job for the 52-year-old from Mexico, a job he took to earn money to buy his daughter a dress for her high school graduation. Our investigation found that Beltran is one of at least 384 workers who have died from the heat in the U.S. in the last decade. Men and women laboring in fields, in construction, collecting trash. Dr. Rhonda McCarthy specializes in occupational medicine in Texas. Research and studies shows that, you know, heat illness should be considered a preventable illness. OSHA is supposed to shield workers from health hazards, but has never adopted a national heat standard, one that would include enough water and shade breaks and time for employees to adjust to the extreme heat. New workers who are not acclimated to the heat or hot environment, that is an increased risk factor for heat illness. Like Beltran, Carl Simmons didn't have time to acclimate. It was his second day on the job installing turf at a sprawling park in Fort Worth, Texas, for Hellas Construction. Simmons complained about the heat, first to his wife in a lunchtime call, and later to his boss and others. It was 96 degrees, and he had run out of water. Feeling ill, Simmons sought shade under a tree. Within minutes, he collapsed. His brother-in-law, Michael Spriggins, was part of the crew. He was on the ground just shaking, you know, uh, unresponsive. Um, eyes were just rolling in the back of his head, couldn't breathe. It was, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a sight I ain't gonna never forget. He called 911. The dispatcher told him to put cool towels under Simmons' neck and on his chest. Spriggins comforted him until help arrived. 
seemed like to me uh, he was going to be okay. Because mm-hmm. he took a deep breath. Soon as the child touched him, he just took a deep breath. And his breathing started slowing down. So I'm like, okay, he, you know, he looks like he's going to pull through this. But he didn't pull through. Simmons died two hours later. Heat stroke. He was 30 and the father of two young children. Our investigation found that Simmons was one of at least 53 workers to die from heat in Texas since 2010. A review of OSHA records shows that Hellas is just one of a dozen companies in the U.S. that have had multiple workers die from heat since the agency started collecting this data. After Simmons' death in 2018... OSHA cited and fined Hellas and ordered them to put measures in place to prevent future fatalities. But records show the company didn't follow that mandate and OSHA failed to follow up. We asked Dean Wingo, a former OSHA inspector who covered the Texas region, who he thinks is responsible for preventing these deaths. Ultimately, it's the employer's responsibility. Okay. But surely OSHA should follow up on those and ensure that those conditions have been corrected. A year later, in 2019, same company, another death. This time, just outside of San Antonio, 22-year-old Pedro Martinez Jr. was doing cement work on a school athletic field there. He was home from college, and his father, who worked for Hellas, got him the job for the summer. It was brutally hot that day, nearly 100, and there was little shade. Records show that Martinez worked for 10 hours before taking a lunch break. Not long after, he became overheated and passed out. He later died of heat stroke at a local hospital. Hellas officials declined to talk about either case. Wingo says that OSHA needs to follow up in person on cases like this. When I was uh, first starting with OSHA, I mean, we Every inspection we did, if there were a serious violation found, we went back out and verified that it was was corrected. OSHA has shifted away from that now to letting them send in documents to prove that they did it. The Biden administration agrees that OSHA has to do a better job. James Frederick, the acting director, says too many workers are at risk of dying, particularly people of color, like Cruz Urias Beltran and Carl Simmons, and Pedro Martinez, Jr. We maintain at OSHA that the occupational exposure to heat remains a very important topic and that we're focused on improving our efforts to protect workers moving forward um, and that the agency will continue to explore all opportunities to help employers and workers decrease the risk of heat exposure and illness. Frederick wouldn't say whether officials would adopt a national heat standard, but for the first time, The matter is on the agency's regulatory agenda. Cheryl W. Thompson, NPR News. In Seattle, the reality of the current COVID-19 surge is pretty grim. With the Delta variant everywhere, hospitals again are reaching their limits. Non-emergency surgeries are being put on hold. But we have been checking in on Washington periodically as the first state to confirm a case of the coronavirus back in January 2020. And we've been checking in with Dr. Sachita Shaw. She's an emergency physician at Harborview Medical Center there in Seattle. Dr. Shaw, welcome back to All Things Considered. Good to talk to you again. Thank you. I'm remembering when you and I last spoke, it was September 2020. Um, 
I mean, I guess I'll start by asking, did you expect by any stretch that we would still be in the thick of this nearly a year later? No, (laughs) I was thinking back to when we last spoke yesterday and I was so hopeful that we would get a vaccine and that it would be accepted and that we would be really out of this mess and just doing what we normally do, take care of trauma patients all summer because everyone was out having fun. And um, we are definitely not in that situation, unfortunately. And just describe the emergency room these days. How full are you? Do you have supplies you need? Do Do you have enough beds? We don't have enough beds. We have a severe nursing shortage that that is not just us. This is countrywide. Um, I think watching people suffocate with COVID all year and then having half of the American public reject the vaccine has been really hard on healthcare worker resiliency. And so we are full. It's not full of COVID though. We, we are full because we are a regional trauma center and burn center and a tertiary care center. So we're full of all kinds of patients. Um, and so to be full while looking at this, you know, these numbers doubling every week of COVID patients just is a little bit daunting. Yeah. I've had wait times in the emergency department of 30 hours, which is has been unheard of in my career. What are those conversations like when people come in, they've got COVID, they are sick enough to be admitted, um, and they're telling you, they're not vaccinated. I, I'm just, I'm trying to square that with what you're telling me about the, the understandable burnout for, for people working at your hospital. Um, and I'm guessing those conversations must be really hard. Yeah. I, I have to say it's getting a lot harder to not ask, well, why, like, why would you not have accepted this? This could have been prevented. And, um, and it, so it's, I have asked a few patients, well, why wouldn't you have gotten that? And I've heard varying things. Well, I thought I already had COVID. That was a common one. And, oh, I thought it wouldn't be this bad. And I don't know if it's that folks are not understanding how truly horrific when people get really bad COVID, it is like suffocating. I think young folks thought that they were fine, but the Delta variant is the whole nother ballgame. And everyone is at risk. And the people that are vaccinated, they may get sick, they may not have symptoms, but the people that are unvaccinated, everyone everyone might get this. And the hospital's already full. Anything else you've learned having been at this for so long? I think we've learned a lot about um, the symptoms that people present with, but that doesn't really make it any less scary. And it doesn't mean that we have better treatments. We have more treatments that we could possibly use. But our our heart-lung bypass, for example, has been full for a year and a half. And uh, it's been really hard on our ICU team to turn down referrals every week, 10 referrals, 20 referrals for these life-saving machines because we've we've run out. Um, the system is is at capacity and we can surge. We will do it. We will try to make something out of nothing. But I really feel like if people haven't been vaccinated, the, they really need to get vaccinated. I've had some nurses who had family members who were not vaccinated and they just, they've gone to them and said, I can't, I can't watch you die like this. Like if for nothing else, please do this for me because I will lose my marbles if I have to watch a family member suffocate. It's been too much. That is Dr. Sachita Shaw, emergency physician at Harbor View Medical Center in Seattle. Good to speak with you again. Thank you. Thank you. 
no vax, no service. That's what some bars and restaurants are saying as the highly contagious Delta variant spreads across this country. One of those establishments is Otto in Seattle, Washington, where you have to be vaccinated to work or eat there. Eric Rivera is Otto's owner and chef, and he joins us now. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Why'd you make that decision? Because that's the only decision to make right now. I think if there's a tool presented and offered, um, you use it. So uh, I made the decision back in May to reopen and with the caveat and restrictions and rules being that everybody entering the space or being part of what's happening inside of the restaurant, uh, mandatory vaccines. And how was that sort of greeted initially by your staff, first of all? They know how I am. <laughs> they know the requirements that have kind of run here. And they've also been working in the space for the last year. You know, we shut down for delivery and takeout. Um, I have a, a you know, newer-ish space. So we were able to kind of distance ourselves within the restaurant and kind of take precautions. We didn't have any COVID cases throughout the entire time. You know, requiring vaccine is just was just another step. I mean, how are you implementing this rule? How are you sort of certifying that people have been vaccinated? I have on my website, it kind of goes on a description and explains all of the rules. Um, you know, maybe some are within CDC regulations or guidelines, but I feel like I need to be a little bit more intense about it um, because at the end of the day, I'm the one paying the bills. I'm the one dealing with the repercussions if somebody does get sick. Um, they read through that on the website. They prepay their reservation. From there, they make the decision if they want to come in or not. Um, I don't have walk-ins at my restaurant, so people can't just like come inside and do whatever they want. Um, it truly is just being ticketed. Um, it's very strict. There's a little bit of time in between where they can send me their vaccination card or a copy of it, um, but I always tell them to bring me physical copies. Uh, fortunately, our state as well has a digital system, and I check them all, you know, right at the door just to make sure. If they don't have them, then you know it's explicitly told within the description on my site that they're not permitted to enter. Hmm. I mean, your restaurant is in a highly vaxxed part of the country, but that is not the case everywhere, obviously. Um, this has now become political. What response have you gotten um, since you've gone public with this? Yeah, I mean, we've also were the first area to have cases. So, you know, we've kind of, I would say we've kind of been dealing with this a little bit longer than most here in the United States. So um, I've, I've lost my patience. <laughs> Um, for waiting for other people's approaches to kind of go through this. It's really about working with people, making sure that we can use all the tools, resources available to us, um, listening to the right people, meaning like educated people, epidemiologists, doctors, <laughs> not just random things on Facebook. So on my side, it's, it's really positioning myself to succeed over a long-term period. How is business? Busier than ever. <laughs> Um, it's, so it's, it's working for you. It's, it's definitely working for me. Um, you know, I'm a small restaurant, so maybe bigger names or bigger chefs won't see or get excited about the numbers I'm doing, but I'm sold out. My tickets are sold out almost all the way through October. So I, I have guests that come in and they're happy. I have guests that leave, they're happy. I mean, I guess what I'm hearing from you is that your stance has actually maybe been a selling point because people can come to your restaurant and at least know that they are surrounded by other people who are protected and vaccinated. Absolutely. And I've had a lot of people who are in healthcare that are pretty impressed about what is happening here. And I have people that are rebooking over and over just to be here. Um, you know, the food's pretty decent, so that's a plus. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, so it gives them an option, and, and I like that. I wish there was more places that kind of 
went into it and realized it because I feel like that's going to be what it is moving forward unless they want to close again. Hmm. I mean, I suppose the goal is, is what exactly in your view? I mean, my goal is to not kill people, uh, not to get them sick. It's pretty straightforward. I haven't had any cases in my space uh, with any of my employees or people that have reported back to me since we've done indoor dining. I intend to keep it that way. If I have to get more strict with regulations, that's awesome. I don't want to be somebody's last meal. Whatever I'm doing food-wise and restaurant-wise isn't worth that. So uh, I definitely don't want to have that happen. Eric Rivera is chef and owner at Auto in Seattle. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. A Syracuse police officer has filed a federal lawsuit against the Syracuse Police Department. More from WRVO's Madison Rufo. Usually found playing with local kids on the basketball court, Syracuse police officer Brandon Hanks is now taking his own department to federal court. Hanks, who's black, says that he was denied a promotion to an all-white gang violence unit after an internal memo said Hanks is affiliated with gang members. He alleges that the department cited his listening to rap music, among other things, as an indicator of his suggested gang affiliation. Hanks also alleges the department, including police chief Kenton Buckner, failed to cultivate an environment that was fair to black and brown officers. One of his lawyers, Jesse Ryder, says Hanks' legal team is hoping to change not only hiring practices, but culture within the department. They need to start hiring more African-Americans from the community to be police officers and firefighters. Ryder says that kind of reform starts from the top. They need to get the people in power who are uh, contributing to the division between the police department, their own African-American officers, and the African-American community. They need to get them out. Hanks also included Deputy Police Chief Rich Trudell in his lawsuit over his use of the N-word. But shortly after Hanks' announcement of his lawsuit on Monday, Trudell released a defense that included an internal memo he'd sent condemning the treatment Hanks was receiving within the department. Regardless, the lawsuit has been filed and will next go to a jury trial, which Ryder expects to go well for his client. We're very confident in this case. For WRVO News, Today, we are taking on the topic of equity in our workplaces. So let's just say the last year, there's been a lot of conversation about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I would say not just the last year, but it's really been the last few years. And if we think about the last month and year, it's been great but it's been exhausting all at the same time if you're in the space of DEI. With so much progress, we know every day there's still so much more we need to do. And we look at what's happening both at a federal, state, and local level. So when you think about DEI at a federal level, mandates around training for federal employees, if you think about our employers from an equity perspective, this alone is costing our U.S. businesses billions of dollars each year. And it's a cost that comes through absenteeism. It comes through lost productivity and ultimately turnover as well. Over the last year, we've talked a lot about how this has impacted women and also our black employees. And our Black employees have been most at risk at experiencing some of this equity. And that's where a lot of the SHRM research over the past year has really focused on. But let's not forget, there are other groups that fall into this category as we talk about the inequity that exists.
I am so excited today to be joined for this conversation by Nicole Armstrong. Nicole Armstrong is a founder and CEO of Queen City Certified. Queen City Certified is the nation's leading data-informed employer certification and cohort-based leadership program for intersectional workplace equity. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Gloria. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Well, I am so excited for you to be with us. And every time you and I have a conversation on this topic, we can go on and on. <laughs> so I am so looking forward to our listeners being able to to hear more from you. So let's start by talking a little bit about, you know, telling us about your background and why you chose to focus your career in the space. Absolutely. So I actually started my career in design. I did a lot of work developing and implementing design and brand strategy, specifically for mission-driven organizations around the world. So working a lot in the nonprofit sector. But before founding Queen City Certified, I also worked as a social innovation specialist, um, basically applying the principles of design thinking and human-centered design to social challenges uh, alongside marginalized communities. I founded Queen City Certified in 2018 because I realized and recognized, as many of us do, that talent isn't limited by identities like race or gender or sexual orientation, but opportunities often are. And I've seen firsthand how women, and even more specifically women of color, are struggling to find the balance between work and family and to advance in the workplace. In fact, I personally experienced the backlash of, you know, quote unquote, leaning in uh, when attempting to negotiate a market rate salary after receiving an offer just above what I'd made at my previous job. And a friend of mine was outright denied a job because she was pregnant at the time. A new mother I had the privilege of working with was forced to return to work within a couple of weeks after her son was born prematurely because her employer wasn't required by law to offer FMLA and they didn't offer any paid time off. So I think in many ways, you know, the workplace as we know it was designed for white men. And I found a Queen City Certified because it's really time to stop asking people with historically marginalized identities to adapt to systems that really were not designed with their needs in mind. And it's time to focus our attention on redesigning the systems that perpetuate that inequality. I could not agree with you more. And that's why I love our conversations and, and love the work that you do with Queen City Certified. And I think the last year, this topic has really been highlighted. And for all of the reasons, all of those things that you mentioned that you've experienced, that I've experienced, others we know have experienced um, as women, as, you know, whether it's based on um, our ethnicity whatever, we've all experienced some of that. And as we go through it, the spotlight that is on it today, um, I think has finally brought um, people along that, quite frankly, this is a topic that some have been addressing for a while and others probably didn't realize it and are now starting to see the light, for lack of a better term. And it might <laughs> yes. be some of those white men we alluded to, um, not to pick on them, but I mean, that's the reality that we see. So when you think about 
you know, everything that's gone on in the last year or so. And obviously, you know, not just, you know, the the conversations that we've had in the U.S. and globally as it relates to diversity, equity and inclusion, but also what the global pandemic really shined a spotlight on more than anything. So we talk about marginalized communities when we talk about healthcare and all of those things that got reinforced through the pandemic. You know, what do you see? What are you talking to clients about that's different today about being in the DEI space and specifically as it relates to equity? Yeah, I think you know, when we look back prior to the last year and a half, a lot of the DEI space has historically focused on recognizing personal bias and, and promoting diversity in the workplace. And in fact, we spend $8 billion a year on diversity trainings in the U.S. alone. But I think this, you know, studies show that they don't actually lead to more diversity or changes in behavior, sustained changes in behavior. And in many ways, I think they've provided an opportunity for employers to check a box rather than address systemic inequality. And I do think that that's beginning to change. I think given the disproportionate impact of the global pandemic on women and communities of color, particularly Black communities and Latinx communities, along with the national spotlight on police brutality and systemic racism, the conversation is shifting from individual acts of bias to systemic inequality, which is vital, really, if we're going to enact any meaningful changes. To add to that, you know, I love this notion you started in the beginning talking about all the different identities and how people have been impacted by the pandemic in different ways. And I I think that's why it's so vital for employers to really begin taking an intersectional approach. And what we mean by that is that every employee's experience is very much informed by the multiple identities we hold, Right. We as individuals are not monoliths, right? Your, your one Black employee is not representative of all Black employees. And your, you know, individual women employees are not representative of all women. And so I think there's more nuance to the conversation and understanding that some of the identities we hold carry resources, some of them carry restrictions, and they intersect in a unique way to influence our experience as as employees. And we've seen that over the past year and a half. And so I think that that is a really welcomed nuance. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and just to reinforce that example, because I think most... And I'm not going to call on all HR people, but I think we've all been um, guilty of that, that, you know, something happens, whether it's with a, a, a Hispanic employee or... Um, a black employee and suddenly, you know, the one black employee that's on the team is now the expert, right? And they're, they have to be the spokesperson for an entire, an entire group or in this case, you know, we're seeing it a little bit as there were diversity conversations, you know, immediately we go to the only you know, black employee on the team to talk about it, whether female, male, to talk about, well, can you share your experience? It's like, no, Mm -hmm. I don't want to share my experience. I've lived my experience and I may not be in a position right now to do that. So I think the, the notion of this 
conversation as it relates to looking at the entire spectrum, as you talked about, and also the piece of, you know, we're all trying to build a more inclusive culture. And that inclusive culture comes from, you know, recognizing the diversity that exists on the team, learning from that diversity, but also creating a very open and equitable experience um, so that, you know, whoever it is on the team feels like they belong and, you know, they're a part of, of the environment that's being created. And I think that's so critically important and challenging all at, at the same time when we talk <laughs> about this. Yeah, absolutely. And I cannot stress enough too. I think, you know, we've seen this in conversation, expecting folks to educate colleagues on their personal trauma and how um, really harmful that can be and how really it's up to all of us within the workplace, especially leaders, to educate themselves. There's so many amazing resources out there, to your point before, of not expecting people who are most impacted by inequality to educate others on their own personal experiences or traumas. So absolutely. And I think that that, again, going back to that notion of this nuanced conversation, I'm beginning to see that more. And I'm beginning to see people really reach out and say, well, where can I find resources to educate myself? And where can I go for those, you know, type of opportunities to make sure that I'm, uh, I'm looking at through things through a more equitable lens. So that's really refreshing. Yeah, absolutely. So on the topic of kind of educating ourselves, I think one big, um, I guess, conversation that I see often is this trying to interchange the words equity and equality um, <laughs> when we're, we're having this conversation. And, you know, a lot of us have been guilty of that. But, you know, as you work in this space, define for us kind of that the difference between, you know, when we're talking about equity and we're talking about equality. How do you define those? That's a great question. Equality is when we give everyone the same thing. Equity is when we give people what they need. And we see this play out in everyday life all the time, right? So mm -hmm. let's take dinner time, for example. So if we have, you know, a family of four sitting down to eat, we have two adults, we have one school-age child, we have one five-month-old infant. Would we serve the infant the same meal as the adults in the school-age child? Probably not, Probably right? Not, no. <laughs> and alternatively, would we give each person at the table a jar of baby food and some milk and call it a day? Oh, not. <laughs> of course not, right? We'd give each person what they need. Now, if we give them all the same thing, that's equality. But that's assuming we're all starting from the same place, that we all have the same needs. And of course, we know that as people, that's just not the case. So as it's often said, I think if, you know, if equality is our goal, equity is how we get there. And how we view it at Queen City Certified is that equity is actually the foundation that enables employers to create an inclusive work environment that can then in turn attract and retain a more diverse workforce. So we actually think that it should be EID, not DEI, because equity is really sort of that systems level approach that we're talking about. How do we create systems that promote uh, the outcomes that we're looking for that gives folks what they need rather than all the same thing? No, that's great. And I love that example, which I'm probably going to steal and use. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free. 
So there's so much great work uh, that you do um, with your team and with employers. So let's talk about this a little bit because I think the education in the space is so important. And I know I recently saw in a, in a SHRM article, um, it mentioned it mentioned if you're a white leader and you're not personally engaged in learning and understanding, you know, racism, oppression, equity, you're not doing your job. So you could replace that term white leader with anyone at this point. <laughs> and I think it is so important that we're constantly learning in this space, but we're also recognizing, you know, where our opportunities are. And and I think the other thing that I've learned more in this year is just patience with people as they're as they're going through this journey. Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, August 20, 2021. So I have been told uh this is our weekly broadcast neutralizing workplace racism uh not for spectators not for spectators trying to share constructive information solve problems without creating new problems in the workplace very important that is always the standard that we use man the verbal technology of our conquest we read that 2000 seasons book club some years ago i'm stealing that line Talk about stealing a line, the verbal technology of our conquest. Indeed. Uh, Let's see. Notes to share before we get to the callers. The number is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate the number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. I am at the lamest beach in Seattle, Alki Beach, again, two days in a row. It's still the lamest beach in Seattle. And while I was here today, and it's a... Uh, Stunning how quickly summer ends here in Seattle, but even this summer stunned me like the the leaves began to change color in mid-July. It looks like full-blown October today. The high was 66 degrees. Anyway, I still went to the beach. While I was there, a group of white people, there was about 10 of them, they had an 18-foot long paddleboard. There's about 10 of them on this one 18-foot paddleboard. And they're just paddling along on this 66 autumnish uh, August day. And they have a speaker strapped to the board playing the Jaws theme song. Living their best life, for sure. Anywho, uh, neutralizing workplace racism, getting back on topic. Whew. Verbal technology of our conquest. Let me see if I can do the different reports. So we started with the COVID-19 situation that alone, like what well, we're actually we do it correctly. That's not where we started. We started with the heat. Uh, it's so hot. 
outside and they're not having protections for workers. Really, I've been talking about workplace safety before the Rona thing. Lots of different ways that that would apply in terms of safety on the job. Now, I mean, to have people, we've had heat warnings uh, repeatedly this summer. It was 95 degrees last Saturday. I mean, last Friday. I'm sitting here talking about um, autumn setting in. Uh, It was 95 degrees last Friday. And that's not even counting, you know, back in June when we had all that 110 degree and all the rest of it. Uh, Heat three consecutive days uh, of 100 degree weather. And they talked about uh, the different produce workers having to be outside, how that is disproportionately non-white people who are going to have to go out and do that grueling work. And you hear that? They're the one victim, sounded like a non-white male, uh, out there, died one bottle of water, and that was in his pocket. Now, I mean, I don't know. Uh, that fella, caller at the courthouse in Florida, says he has a big gallon water jug. Thought he said he was trying to get a gallon and a half water jug. Now, I don't know if he can fit his gallon water jug in his pocket. I seriously doubt it. But I don't know what type of newfangled technology they got in the Sunshine State. I suspect if he had it in his pocket, it was probably one of those little flimsy 16 ounce. I mean, under normal circumstances, you should consume about half of your body weight in water. Now, if it's some sort of extreme weather event that goes way up. So that little 16 ounces, that's, you know, nothing. That's literally a drop in the bucket. I mean, it should be we found him and he had like two gallons of water something like that if you're going to be out in this sort of extreme weather event and you're working strenuously and then they came back uh carl simmons that check that was uh in texas where they were out working he said man i'm hot ran out of water goes under a tree to get some shade and ends up dying non-white people sounded like could have even been some black males uh in that report too black male privilege yes uh but i mean that is something seriously to consider i mean man if you know you work outside you work in an environment where they don't have air conditioning it's going to be strenuous like take that they even recently that's like a new thing they had a number of nfl players uh who died for the same thing them going out and working peak summer heat talk about doing something strenuous uh, and ended up dying, not having enough water and all the rest. And they made a lot of rules about that. Uh, same thing that you heard that breaks water, not practicing at the hottest part of the day, that sort of thing. Common sense, really. Value your safety in the workplace, COVID and heat and anything else. Uh, next, now we get to the COVID. Now, uh, we had two reports uh, on things happening in Seattle. And then the first one, they talked to a healthcare worker. I'm not playing any more reports where the tone is, oh, man, these unvaccinated people. Oh, I'm so upset with them. Oh, what kind of conversation are you having with these folks? who can't? They've had way too many reports, even the governor down in Texas, Governor Abbott, where they have contracted or tested positive for covid where they had been vaccinated. Now, what they say is if you've been vaccinated, you shouldn't get severe symptoms. You shouldn't die. I thought that was the case anyway. Like most people who get COVID-19 do not die. But I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. But either way, I'm not playing anything else uh, that is just, oh, man, the unvaccinated. The unvaccinated. What about the anti-vaxxers? Because see that I don't know if they're including them there. 
the folks who have been staunchly opposed? What about the anti-maskers and all the rest of it? Unless, you know, I'm just not planning. All of that is just way too close to propaganda uh, as opposed to actual news reporting. That notwithstanding, uh, in Seattle specifically, Governor, where I guess this is Washington State uh, on the whole, uh, Governor Inslee announced, I'm just reading from the Seattle Times, I'll back up and, and give you the whole title. Inslee's vaccine mandate draws fire from union and questions about unemployment benefits. This is on the front page of the Seattle Times today. Governor Jay Inslee's rollout of a sweeping COVID-19 vaccine mandate is drawing fire from a major state from a major state employees union and leaving unanswered. Never <laughs> leaving unanswered questions, including whether workers fired for noncompliance can collect unemployment benefits. Inslee last week ordered state employees and healthcare workers to get vaccinated by October 18 or face termination. On Wednesday, he expanded the requirement to include K through 12 and higher education employees in imposing one of the nation's strictest and most far reaching mandates. Inslee said the state would bargain in good faith over the requirements with unions representing affected state employees. But the 45,000 member Washington Federation of State Employees is accusing the Isley administration of breaking that commitment and failing to provide needed details about how the mandate will affect the state workforce. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, I'll leave it there. You can read some more. Uh, But I could see. He said concerns include protections for people in need of legitimate religious and medical exemptions and backup plans for staffing. And if large numbers of employees quit or get fired. Now, I would I can't even say I'd be surprised in Washington state specifically. They did have like thousands, plural of about ninety nine percent. What did I just say? Anti-vaxxers anti-maskers i guess they would be unvaccinated too uh they went to olympia the state capitol and protested and no count governor Inslee, we're not doing it and all of it so there could be i would not be that stunned if hey some of these white people said we are for real for real about it we're not doing the vaccine and two weeks notice or whatever it is and you know i'm out of here so could there be mass well i don't know wacky times worldwide but this is front page seattle times have to see all that uh plays out i have to talk to again seattle specifically i don't know about washington state on the whole but seattle specifically they have reported is one of the most vaccinated areas in this part of the world scratch that one of the most vaccinated cities in the world so it might not even be that big a deal uh, it seems like a lot of people brag about being vaccinated in these parts. So we'll have to see next. Uh, let's see the report, the dining, they reported autos here in Seattle where they had lots of restrictions. Same thing. Workers have to be vaccinated. Diners have to be vaccinated. Apparently he didn't have staff. He didn't say anything about staffing quitting. He didn't say anything about patrons not going People don't seem to have a big problem with that public establishments that are requiring vaccinations and all the rest of it. Now, I don't know how many places are requiring vaccinations, places that I have been Starbucks and the like. Uh, No, 
none of that stuff is required. You don't even have to have a mask on in many of these places now. Uh, they have not reinstituted uh, wide mask wearing, even though there's a lot of voluntary compliance uh, with that in many areas. Uh, let's see next. Uh, so then just back to good old fashioned regular white supremacy racism uh, up in uh, upstate New York, Syracuse area. I went to Syracuse, Carmelo Anthony, Derek Holman, Jim Brown, uh, Syracuse. They talked about uh, the black officer uh, not being promoted, not being hired. Uh, and they said they accused him of being a member of a gang reminded me of Randall Sullivan it's like uh oh I bet if he had a bow tie on he'd be accused of being a no count Muslim nation of Islam gang member does he wear a bow tie his boat is definitely sunk metaphor at the beach though metaphor uh, but they accused him of being in a gang because they allegedly heard him listening to rap music that is for sure gangbanger activity Tupac and all the like Suge Knight yes yes I don't know where he was listening to this rap music ad, if he was at home or because they didn't specify. But in my opinion, that would just be another one to not listen to rap music at work ever for any reason ever, ever, ever. I've talked about it because that just promotes incorrectness. I don't know if that was is what Mr. Hanks was doing or not. I have no idea. But that would just anytime. No listening to rap music in the workplace. Next, let's see. Oh, my goodness. So the last segment, I was so excited. Well, not so excited, but I was pretty looking forward. The segment from Honest HR, a podcast from SHRM spilling HR truths. I hate that when people say truths plural. Do my George Orwell 1984. One plus one is two. That is not my truth. There are not multiple truths about that. Some things are subjective. You can like, you know, vegan chocolate ice cream. I don't like vegan chocolate ice cream. That's subjective. I don't really call that a truth thing because some things just are. It's 66 degrees in Seattle right now. Either that is or it's not. That's not my truth or whatever. Now, we can talk about how I feel about that temperature, but I mean, it just it is in a system that is based on deception. They love it that there are truths. Nope. Some things are. That promotes a lot of confusion when it's not truth and some things are when there are multiple many truths and many different. As I said, it doesn't mean some things are subjective. They are. But I mean, woo, one and one is two. We need facts, fundamental and logic. Racists steer us away from that consistently, brilliantly. And they do it mostly with words. What I keep saying, the verbal technology of our conquest. Now, why did I play that segment? Nicole Armstrong and Gloria Sinclair Miller. Gloria Sinclair Miller is a black female victim of white supremacy. Nicole Armstrong, white woman, suspected racist, founder of Queen City Certified. The name of the segment, How You Make Workplace Equity Happen. Now, they, we didn't even hear the whole segment. We heard about 10 minutes of it or so, maybe a little more than 10 minutes. They used the word racism one time, and that was at the very end of what we heard uh, where Gloria Sinclair Miller, victim, uh, where she says, well, if you are a white leader for anyone and you're not addressing racism and equity and run, 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 you're not doing your job. That's the only time that we hear the word racism. The entire rest of the time that they're speaking, 
no use of the term racism. Generally not even identifying individuals as white. And the limited times that they do is restricted exclusive to white men with a white woman on the program. That's that's so many reasons why I played that program. For one, I always say about uh, Harvard Business Review, the HBR cast. I feel like a million times better about myself and the work that we do here at the context of white supremacy. When I hear how lame and ineffective uh, and garbled the conversations that they have about racism, white supremacy are that was not HBR cast, but it was exactly the same in terms of the impact. I felt so much better. Like, wow, victims of white supremacy could just be, that's all you could have. That could be the only resource that you have to try to understand, talk about, think about racism, white supremacy, and what happens to black people in the workplace. Even that with that segment, Gloria Sinclair Miller, black female victim of white supremacy they start the segment and they say uh, talking about how diversity and equity and inclusion how has this impacted women I always say when I hear that word they're talking about white women I don't care if it's a, a victim who's saying it if it's other white people who's saying it when they start a conversation and it's supposed to be this is serious, we're pretending we're talking about racism, even though we're not even saying racism, we're saying diversity, equity, inclusion, whatever that means. They did spend some time explaining equity for whatever that's worth, uh, but impact on women, white women. And then the most at risk employees, if the most at risk employees are black, why don't we put them first? You got a black host on the program. We got a black host. Knocked my audio out with my hand. We got a black host on the program. Why not just the impact on black employees, male, female, children? We got younger people in the workplace, too. We had reports on that over the pandemic. No, we got to strike that. And that's not Gloria Sinclair Miller's fault. The you because this podcast has two white women on. We just didn't hear them. But white editors, the other white co-hosts usual suspects are to blame for where does the focus go women and then black people and then she says let's not forget there are other groups and then they get the lesbian lgbtqia and they add all the letters and and all this other stuff wait a minute you didn't say the most impacted were all these other groups you said the most at risk was black employees why do we have to include all these other groups then why can't at minimum the focus be there if anything why shouldn't it be going to these other groups and saying you need to make sure that you include black employees because they are most at risk thank goodness context of white supremacy they continue they can't even say black people they said it one time and then we move away from that and then we go to historically marginalized identities my god what did I say the verbal technology of our conquest now I could do the buckets and buckets of words there but I try to reserve that for white people (laughs) did that second time that I did that I knocked my audio I'd have to be more careful uh, with my hands but I try to reserve the buckets and buckets of words 
for white people, suspected racists. Uh, but man, the <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, do we have to, to come up as opposed to we can't just say black people? We can't just say that. We can't just say non-white people. We can't just say victims of white supremacy. Make it clear. No. Historically marginalized identities. Victims guaranteed qualified. Next. Uh, let's see. Then, then we come back and they say, you know, we, we experienced this in the workplace where uh, you're asked to be the expert or you're asked to represent your entire identity. And as a woman, again, when I hear that, I think white woman, but as a woman, whether it's based on our ethnicity, what does that mean? And then the kicker, she says, we've all experienced some of that being excluded or mistreated. Stop right there. That is totally false. And again, victim guaranteed qualified, but I think it's important in a system that is run by deception to point out when things are inaccurate, regardless of who says it, if it's Gus, if it's anybody, we should be striving for accuracy. That is like so flagrantly inaccurate producer, editor, somebody like stop. This is not live like halt. That needs to be restated. We do not all experience some form of racism, white supremacy. That seems to be what you're kind of alluding to talking around in this jumbled conversation. White people don't experience that. White women don't experience that. White men don't experience that. White gay people, white queer people, white intersex people, white elderly people, white disabled people. No, none of them. They do not experience white supremacy, racism, and all of that sort of dialogue, the things that we all practice racism, we're all prejudiced, we all are victims of racism, is eroding. That's the same thing I said before. When they talk about crimes, they don't say we're all Jeffrey Dahmer. They don't say that. They don't say Jeffrey Dahmer is also a victim of these mass slings in Canada. They don't say that. He's a perpetrator. When we're talking about racism, white supremacy, one side of the equation, you got the victims and the other side, you have individuals who practice white supremacy, racism, and they don't experience this in the same way. We can't talk about them and the victim as though they're experiencing the same thing. This is what you end up with frequently, really almost predictably in the system of white supremacy. When non-white people, white people come in and give them a microphone or pay them or whatever, allow them to talk about racism, white supremacy. This is what you're going to get. Deliberately, I would say so. The white people make sure this is what you're going to get. Confusion. It's not going to make logical sense. It will further confuse you. The more you listen to it, the more confusion you get. Marginalized communities. What does that mean? Then she says, we've all experienced some of this. Others, And then they say the last year we've had so many conversations and we've been talking about this and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and yum, yum, yum. And they say, well, some groups we've been talking about this for a while. Others probably didn't realize it. Others are starting to see the light metaphor uh, might be those white men. Now, again, not white women. Nicole Armstrong is right there. Is she part of the problem? No, she's a good white person. Okay. So it's just white men, white male patriarchy uh, that are just starting to realize. And it's the same thing that white P and that's just white men. White men are ignorant. They're not aware of all of this. That's the same 
ridiculous rhetoric that's been spewed for years uh, by white people like Jane Elliott, guest on this program, admitted racist, uh, and they get victims to go out and repeat that. You do not have a problem of racism, white supremacy of white people like Nicole Armstrong or Jane Elliott being ignorant. Non-white people, Gusty Renegade, victims, we are ignorant about racism and trying to learn how to solve this problem. The experts, Nicole Armstrong, expert on white supremacy racism. Jane Elliott, expert, white supremacy racism. You just go on down the line. You're white. You cannot be ignorant about racism. That is lie. And I guess the last thing I'll say, I think we've talked about this with Melissa Harris Perry. And I said, I'm not playing any more of her uh, segments on the program. I do not hear her broadcasts and feel better about myself of late. I've just been like, oh, my God, not accurate. And what are we talking about? Uh, The giggling. There was a lot of giggling and chuckling all throughout that segment. Uh, I think, uh, Gusty, I've done enough uh, broadcasts with white people as a guest on this program. For more than a decade, I don't think you typically hear us doing a lot of kiki ki and ha 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 and ho ho ho. I don't, I don't think we do a lot of chuckling with white guests, with guests. Period. Even when I'm here by myself, I don't certainly don't encourage. If anything, be serious. Take this problem seriously. If black people being mistreated on their job and Officer Hanks not being promoted in Syracuse. If we think that that's serious, that's not a laughing manner. That should be reflected in how we have these conversations every time. And I mean, especially underline, boldface print, highlight, especially when we speak to a white person. Victims guaranteed qualified. But I did feel better about the cows listening to that. I was on the better beach when I listened to that clip and said, oh, yeah, we have to play that. I was at the uh, I was at Golden Gardens. Uh, oh, magnificent, magnificent. Anywho, uh, let's see. Before we get to the callers, uh, I spoke with one of our investors. I said this every time when I talk to listeners, workplace racism comes up in like three minutes. First five minutes of the conversation will be something workplace racism. Spoke with one of our investors black female and she said and uh her workplace they've had you know the the work from home a little bit all that take advantage of it if you can uh but within the work from home right you got to get everybody set up for that right so uh computers laptops and you know all the other uh goodies so that you can be at home and productive uh we have talked about what, what does that idiot say he says sobriety would be best that's it yeah, yeah now that idiot, he does say that that's not the one i need he also says, let's see, possessive adjective in the workplace, my, not your desk, not your office, for sure, For let me do that again, underline, boldface print, highlight, it is not your laptop, if you don't have a laptop, This is not your machine. This is a major problem for many, many people, white and non-white. I am somewhat surprised because it's been about 25 years of computers and Wi-Fi being a pretty staple 
part of the work environment. So I think it's been about a good 20 years of, hey, office etiquette around using the Wi-Fi, the computers in the workplace, or if you take it out of the workplace. Investor says she's on the job, working diligently, behaving herself, following her code, what I would expect from a cow's investor. She says she hears some of the uh, office scuttlebud, as they say, and they're coming around to what, you know, exactly what's, what's the violation, the code violation. They, they come and do some gossiping. Oh, did you hear? Did you hear? Oh, Jessica and, and Jessica's black female. Oh, oh, Jessica. She was looking up lesbian porn on the office computer. And then just going around from desk to desk. Did you hear? Jessica. Lesbian porn. Now, hey, I don't know if it's true or not or what have you. Uh, All I can say is, number one, it is not your computer. There should be super discipline about any sort of machine. I know we had some cows listeners who said, my code they gave us, they assigned us a device. I use their device for workplace activities only. When I am done with their device, I turn it off. I close it, I put it back in the container, and I put it in the closet. A plus. A plus. It is not your computer. Do not ever look up pornography on your workplace computer, if anything. And I can even pause because when I was hearing this, I was like, hey, I am not high and mighty. Like, I did not always have this information. I didn't always grasp, like, hey, it's almost 2022. Like, White people don't even need to have your physical device to look at your entire browsing history. What have you downloaded? Like the whole nine. They don't even have to have the computer with the technology that they have now. Probably more coming. This is not your machine. I know it can be rough because they talked about they call it the. uh, Digital divide, right, where. A lot of non-white people, some black people uh, do not have computers or don't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> One of my laptops is in the uh, getting repaired right now. I feel you. All of that said, man, you cannot use that workplace device like it is yours. If they give you a phone, tablet, whatever, <laughs> like a pencil, really like this is their property. I'm going to be mindful of that at all times like I'm sure they have got GPS and cameras and recordings and all types of things and even with this situation now they're going around gossiping Jessica lesbian porn Mm. now they could have just went to Jessica why not do the schoolyard thing and we're going to go you know tell all this and blah 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 they could have just went to her and you know hey do a discreet Reminder, we have policy and procedure about proper use of the workplace computer. Just want to make sure you're aware of that. And, you know, we can check, get browsing history and all that. So just make sure you're using it appropriately. Much obliged. They could have done something discreet like that. Nah, nah, nah. And I think they would have done something like that if it had been, oh, Jeffrey Tubin. They probably would have just, you know, pulled them to the side, make a little joke. 
move on black person oh no and i mean they might not have even told her they might i don't i don't know this could go so many wrong ways and none of them is cool like this could be something where hey uh it's 2022 basically Mm, i'd be willing to bet a nickel that this computer has mm, a camera gotta do zoom right you're gonna be at home i'd be willing to bet this uh computer has audio microphone i'm pretty sure they have a white person there who's skilled enough they could probably turn that camera and microphone on remotely especially if it's their equipment oh yeah i'm sure they could probably do that like is this going to be their warrior thing or we wait we know the times that you do this we can go on and watch listen is this something where we want to wait maybe we do that and then we allow this to go on for another week month three months are we recording while this is happening and then we decide that we're going to make a a disciplinary issue of this do we remember we don't say anything about it and we don't make a disciplinary issue of it but we wait until it's promotion time or raise time layoff time and then oh yeah were you looking at lesbian porn during the hybrid workspace we were working at home during the rona oh yeah we can't definitely can't have you promoted to next level so sorry about that but yeah we 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 value professionalism and you know got to have standards uh, about who's using our equipment and how our supervisors behave lots of different ways that they could take that do not look at pornography on your workplace device while you are at work all of those are very bad ideas that present and I think some of it because it's such a widespread problem I think people just get comfortable you get comfortable in your office you get comfortable with those computers and things and just kind of forget like oh yeah this is not like other people are looking at this and might be listening recording all the rest of it so just be extremely mindful and I think some of it just comes down to being very disciplined uh, about remembering we are in a system of white supremacy racism you're not working with your friends and homies you're working with people who are your enemies these are people who do not have your best interest. They're not rooting for you to get a raise. They're not rooting for you to get a promotion. They're probably trying to figure out ways to mess over you for paid time off, vacation, make your life more difficult. Hopefully I'm wrong and you have a better work situation. But man, it seems like lots of non-white people, victims of racism, particularly black people, that is closer to the truth than they would like. The number again is 720 720- Seven one six seven three hundred. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Again, not for spectators. If we have folks, man, I don't even know what to say about the uh, COVID. All that. Uh, if you have commentary on how all of that is uh, impacting your work situation are you in one of the areas where you're going to be tried where you're going to be required to vaccine i know we got people in new york the vaccine passport that's one where they're being pretty tough i think Uh, i'm not sure about some of the other areas i know definitely for colleges and universities uh in california i think a lot of the major universities out there you got to be vaccinated staff faculty so man let us know how you are adjusting if they're making you know you have to get the jab or if you've already done that so you're good or if you're not doing it and you know what that's going to look like let us know uh let's see uh first few folks who dialed in with the hand up uh line should be open proceed 
Uh, let's see. We'll get our victim in New Jersey first. I heard both of you would, well, just because I heard him first. Victim in New Jersey, feel free. Hey, what's how you doing, Gus? Good evening. Um, so uh, I, I chuckled when you said uh, not my computer because I'm, you know, so, you know, I I basically use the employee employee's equipment, whether it's the truck, whether it's the um, hand trucks, or whether it's the electric jack. So just a few weeks ago, um, a co-worker, uh, seeing me using an electric jack and um, he's like man that's a good jack I said well you know I'm using it uh, because the jack that they issued me needs repair so he says oh you know I, I, I didn't just gonna give you you know that jack you know I have seniority so I just thought about I just kind of chuckled you know because I, I you know I, I'm from the way I operate and the way I think None of this equipment belongs to me, you know? So you have even guys who say things like, you know, my truck. It's, it's, it's not your truck. So I always found that funny when I'm on a workplace and I hear people refer to the company's equipment and theirs. So that was, that's, that's kind of like a cold that I have. I do not get attached to uh, equipment that's provided to me by the employer. Um, I am in the tri-state area, and I do work in New York City as of now, um, and I do deliver to uh, restaurants throughout the tri-state area. That's New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Long Island, and parts of Pennsylvania. Um, My company is not yet said anything to us about that we have to be vaccinated I mean we are like I am entering into these establishments you know and sometimes I'm entering um, making deliveries when there are people dining if I get there late so um, right now I haven't heard anything but I'm just you know I'm just waiting to see and um, you know hopefully I make a, you know, an educated decision or a decision that that suits or benefits me. If they do require the the guys who service these restaurants that you know we have to be vaccinated, but haven't heard anything as of yet. Um, I called in before about um, the employee that the my employee employee. Oh no, my coworker. I'm sorry co-worker that I had an issue with that referred to me as a B-I-T-C-H and the suggestions um, that the cows, the listeners, and you as well, Gus, basically uh, practiced that. I ignored um, this particular co-worker and it worked perfectly. I have no issues. Um, I guess the, the co-worker kind of got the the vibe that I was serious, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm very serious. If he, if he speaks, I speak, but however, conversation is short. Um, other people that gets in a truck with me, that's a helper or maybe a new driver. I keep the conversation strictly about, um, the company 
at work. You know what I'm saying? If there if other victims get in the truck, the conversation is is constructive. Um, you know, I just basically tell them about the job, tell them how long I've been driving, and just tell them, you know, give them the ins and outs. Um, I had a guy in the truck. He was a um, a driver, and he was with another driver. And you know, because we deal with food, a lot of times the pickers might have extra on the truck. So joking, whether he was joking or not, he alluded to the fact that, oh, you know, we're, we're taking some stuff home with us. Let him know from the, you know, let him know. Listen, that's not how I operate. If there's anything extra on this truck, it goes back. You know, if, if that's what you do, that's not what I do. So I make it very clear. You know, if you with me, but if there's anything extra, it'll be reported, it'll be brought right back to the warehouse. Um, I've, I've also, um, throughout the whole George Floyd thing, I've been uh, called upon to represent my group. Uh, I remember when a, uh, my former employer asked, you know, my, you know, my opinion on different groups that, uh, that she should donate to. She also asked, um, what would the appropriate language, you know, to refer ourselves as African-American, black, humpback, Negro. So, um, I, I, I am qualified and I, I, I do remember being called upon to represent my entire group on behalf of, uh, donations that was going to Black Lives Matter. I just, I mean, during that time, I just thought it was just real tacky, <laughs> but um, I'm definitely familiar with that. So um, I'll close with that, and anything else I have to add, I'll wait to further other callers uh, speak. Much obliged, our caller in New Jersey. I remember when they asked you to be the uh, leader of the Negroes uh, and advise them on what to do i said you you should have told them when it was donation time you should have told them al sharpton he's been fighting the good cause for so long like give him a few dollars al sharpton he's earned our support hasn't he <laughs> he would have never talked to you again uh but let's see uh i'm so glad uh the because I, I remember that one too that was more recent the victim uh who was talking and started off constructive and then it slipped over into some anti-blackness and all the rest of it and U.S. Negroes won't do right and lazy and brr, 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 and all that <sighs> what can you do uh, planned ignoring that's what you can do once particularly once it gets to name calling and all the rest of it like oh yeah <laughs> nothing to say courteous all the rest but I mean yeah somebody's calling you a B-I-T-C-H and all the rest of it nothing to say and that might be one I would write down because I mean man I, that, I know if there are white people who work there I know on everything in this world when they come in it is not hey what's up B-I-T-C-H and all the rest of it like I know you don't talk to the white people like that so yeah Gus, Gus if I can add if yes, I can sir. add yes, sir. You're, you're, 100, you're 100% correct uh, the the main boss over us is a white female, and he is so courteous. I mean, his tone lowers, his tone even lightens, and he goes out his way to be very courteous to this white man. So this 
particular victim knows how to act and knows how to conduct it. Come on. Blackmail privilege, but come on. Come on. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, hey, if you can be courteous and professional with this white woman and just white people in general on the shop, I'm sure I, I would just watch. That's really the only mode I would be in just watching like whew, we have serious work to do. And again, that's why I say consistently, I would a lot of these behaviors would not change regardless of my work environment. If I worked with white people, non-white people, just wow. <laughs> like I cannot imagine an environment where in a work setting, a black person is talking to a white person, even if it was a custodial like uh, member. And I'm not degrading anyone who does custodial work at all. I have taken out trash and cleaned restrooms. Like I'm not degrading that. I'm just everybody. What did Dr. Welsing say? A plus in broom. I'm just saying like, man, like if it's a white janitor staffer, he cleaning the bathroom, got his toilet paper, restocking and everything. He's not going to go in there. A B I T C A. I don't think so. I could be totally wrong, but I seriously doubt it. Planned ignoring. I found that is the best way of dealing with that. You don't respond and and start cursing the person out yourself. What did you call me? You don't talk to me. Who do you think? Everybody gets fired that way. Um, Nip it in the bud when you don't. And when you're not saying anything, it is so hard for a person to just, you're not saying anything and you just keep going. B-I-T-C-H, what you doing, man? You hear me talking to you? What you doing? Oh, you're not going to say anything? Oh, yeah. And they just keep doing that and keep, I mean, after a while, I mean, most people, you're talking to somebody and they're not saying anything. Like, they start to look at you like, are you feeling all right? He's not, and particularly when they hear what you are saying, like, oh my Lord, like, that's going to end real quick, real quick. So I'm not surprised. Now he can talk. Morning, sir. Morning. Doing all right? Yes, sir. And then we go about it. Excellent. Brief courteous profession that's all we need that's what we're paid to do real low bar this is not anything where you got to come in and we got to have a secret handshake and you got to know my we got nicknames for you brief courteous professional and you can have that with anybody white and or non-white Anyway, the equipment code, then we'll nab our other caller. Uh, the equipment code, I love it as well. None of this equipment is mine. You see that? The jealousy, that's, and that's just tacky racism, by the way, for this white fella to come. Man, I got seniority over this nigger. How are they going to get this nigger this good jack? I've been here longer than him. What is he doing with this? Give him a toothpick or whatever. Give me that. It's not my jack race soldier. I work for the company just like you do. Don't you want me to have quality equipment so we can go out and do quality work? That's good for everybody, right? No, you're just a little racist. But that's that's what I mean. Wait, we're not working with our homies. We understand that these are our enemies, even if other victims sometimes, unfortunately, that's, you know, but these are not our homies. So we're not surprised about that. And that's why you have a code. I double down even. I've, I've never heard of that doing well, I guess, because I haven't done deliveries or what have you. But I mean, what? They have extras and this is ours. Like, oh, my God, <laughs> like uh, that sounds like something where you need a code. Yes, it goes back to the warehouse. Like that seems like something that easily like 
I'm doing what? We get to take this home? Like, oh my God, we're going to get in trouble. They're going to say that we stole something or we pilfered this from somebody's order or just anything. Like, uh, it's 2022. They got uh, QR codes uh, and barcodes on everything. Like, I think it's going to be a lot more difficult to just lose inventory. Generally, people want their money. That's not free. Whatever that merchandise or whatever it is, it's not free. So, I mean, yeah, I think that is a excellent code. I am not. These are not my goodies. Like, whoopee. Like, nope. Take it back to the factory. This is not going to be reported that I was out. Uh, the rogue Negro on staff was out trying to steal the new company jack and extra products. Well, like, nope, nope, nope professional love it uh let's see caller much obliged for your patience the caller at 2262 should be with us also have you heard yes sir thank you gus for taking my call uh hello to everybody in the line uh yes i would completely uh agree with that sentiment on the work or plantation um just plant ignoring when you start to see anti-blackness. It has helped me tremendously on the plantation, um, and it has given me uh, a little bit more peace while I'm there. Um, uh, I called in some time ago, and um, I uh, uh, relayed how the work from home has been um, working well for me. Um, to correct a couple of things, um, it was not uh, two days working from home and three in the office. It was three days at home and two in the office. And um, I have a question I asked about, um, were there any white people part of this uh, group? And yes, there are about four white people, three white females, one white male. And I believe a question was also asked about what type of terms were used to um, convince the supervisor to let us um, go on this uh, work from home hybrid status. It was um, I, it was a term we did not feel safe. That was a term that was used the most. Um, also, I wanted to add about my uh, plantation that they're going to be um, incorporating uh, vaccination mandates for all employees um, or uh, you will have to have a weekly uh, testing for COVID-19. Um, I also had a question that I wanted to ask, and it was, has anyone experienced when coworkers uh, uh, use the prefix Mr. or Miss, and they do not use your uh, surname, they use your first name, uh, for example, um, Mr. John, instead of saying Mr. Smith. Um, and with that, uh, I'll just end my call there. And thank you, Gus, for taking my call. Much obliged. Three days at home and then two days in the office. Sweet. I love it. Um, he said, uh, Oh my God, I, man, I did a mini celebration like that is the word for the summer. S-A-F-E, safe. 
no such thing as safety in the system of white supremacy. That has been painfully obvious this entire year throughout the Rona, really. But that is such an important concept, especially in the workplace and beyond. Really, that I've learned that this summer. But oh, my gosh, in the workplace, everybody is supposed to at least pretend for eight hours a day that we support safety. Everybody in this work environment is supposed to be safe. Employers supposed to do everything they can to make sure this environment is safe. So for the group with these white women, that's a slam dunk right there. Just put them up front. We got it. (laughs) That's why they got three days. See, that's why they got three days. I went low. They had all these white women that went up front. Slam dunk. But they use the word we don't feel safe like whoo that is magic in the workplace like i in my opinion i would try to use the word safety anytime there is a problem if you are being mistreated or there is a problem like a major problem for you in the workplace i would get the little hamster on that wheel in your brain computer How can I formulate this as a safety violation? How can I present this as a threat to workplace safety, mine and others? That I think will put you in the best position to solve problems, yours or, you know, if it's a a group thing, without creating new problems, present it as a safety violation or safety issue in fact let me see they had a report for the BBC uh, that came out Tuesday what day is this doesn't have the date on it it's oh yes it does the 17th so this is like three days ago Tuesday I was right the first time Uh, if you want to ask for a hybrid schedule there are ways to make it more appealing for your boss Uh, They said being realistic about if you can do the work from home and how many days can it be three two, whatever it is. Uh, And they also said present how you can solve problems for your manager supervisor. You being at home is going to help with safety. We've got the Delta variant coming up. Personally, I would be planning with everything they're saying about the Delta variant for another shutdown, even if it's not as long or whatever, some sort of disruption in the autumn related to COVID this, Hey, if we already have a hybrid system in place, if we have to go back to that, bam, already set up, no problem. If we have to work more days or whatever, but I already want that set up. That could be a part of it, especially safety overcrowding in the office. And we want to make sure that everybody feels safe, have enough space for everybody to be here. Find a way where you can present this as a safety issue that will work way but I would never present anything as racism it would all come down to safety if somebody calls me a nigger this is creating an unsafe work environment might not even need to say anything else who's going to say calling him nigger five times a day that makes us a safer work environment get that in writing if they you know want to say such a thing uh, let's see number again 720 Hundred, the code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Oh, the question, Mister or uh, 
Miss and then the, the first name. So like Mr. Gus type of a thing. Uh, in a workplace. In a workplace. In a work. That's kind of unusual. I'm going to have to say no. I have to think on it some more. But in like a work setting, no. If, if it's going to be Mr. And I mean, a lot of places now, it's first name everything. People kind of scoff at the sir, ma'am. I do it anyway, just, you know, part of my code. But um, no, if it's going to be, they do the they do the surname, the like Mr. Gus. That's kind of an unusual, especially for a work setting. Kind of unusual. Um, yeah, I have to ponder on it some more. Miss like Mr. Barack type of a thing. Like, yeah, that would be unusual, especially for a work environment. Uh, other folks, if you have any, if some experience with that, has that happened to you or yeah, you can fill us in on that one too. And if we're paying attention for the mandates, we had, uh, I think our caller in New Jersey, he said his company has not said anything about a mandate thus far for employees. And I think, uh, our second caller, I think he said that they, they are doing some form of, uh, mandate for vaccine. He could set me straight if I, if I didn't hear that right, but I think he said they are doing some form. Uh, of the vaccine thing. I don't know how all that's going to be enforced and, you know, cause they got fake cards and all the rest of it. But, and if you don't, you have to do testing one day a week. That's important. Cause I've seen where a lot of environments, that's not even an option for some places. It's no test. It's no jab, no job, get out of here. But for them, I think he said it's a uh, vaccine or testing once per week. I would ask about the testing too, because they could have false positives and what's the protocol for that? Is this going to be invasive? Like, are we doing a blood test? Are we doing a saliva test? Like, who's administering the test? <laughs> lots of questions. This is a time to ask lots and lots of questions and to make sure they are answered. Maybe even to do these questions via email so that you have written documentation of the answer. Uh, Gus. Oh, yes, sir. 2262. Yes, sir. Sorry. Yes. Thank you. I just wanted to give you the exact wording because it was uh, released in a um, a uh, email to employees. Um, October 1st, 2021. Oh, uh, vaccination record by October 1st, 2021 or undergo a series of weekly testing uh, that's how the wording goes. Lord, like, I got even more like a series. Like, whoa, like uh, time out. Like, what? That is way too vague. Like, what does that even mean? Like a series. Of week, how many tests? How long? That's what I said. Now, how long does it take? What type of test? Blood test, saliva. Like, man, I got uh, who's administering this series of weekly tests? Like, is this somebody in the HR department? Are you having someone uh, that you contracted to come in and do this? Like, oh my, woo! Lots of this is supposed to kick in in October. It's going to take at least two months to get all of my questions answered uh, about all of it. I was going to ask if you're vaccinated or not, but I know this kind of personal. Um, Yeah, if I was not vaccinated, I would have about two months of questions. If I was vaccinated, I guess I wouldn't, you know, whatever. I guess if you also had a bogus vaccine card, I guess I wouldn't care about that either. To answer your question, I'm sorry. To answer your question, no, I'm not vaccinated. Yikes! Yikes! Are you? Uh, are you? Are you? I don't know. Are you? Are you? Uh, 
trying to are you contemplating getting the vaccine? Are you staunchly opposed and just, you know, having to undergo these series of weekly tests or what's your thought process? I think uh, much like you said, I just want to know exactly what type of testing, because out here we have uh, saliva tests. They have the um, uh, the test where they stick the thing in your in your nose, and so they have a couple different options. Um, so I'll, I just want to know exactly what type and how they'll be um, doing the testing and where it'll be done at. So I just have questions, just like you said, but you know I, I do not want to get the vaccine, um, but I'll have to just weigh my options out at this point. Mm-hmm. Wow. System of white supremacy, man. Asking questions like that is uh, could be life saving at this point. Asking questions until you're satisfied so that you can make the best choice for your yourself and your family. Um, mm. I guess keep us abreast. Hopefully we'll hear for this. This is why I said, like, it shouldn't be a whole lot of spectating now. Like, this is a time with all of the different things that are happening in the workplace. Like, Wow. And this, I am sure other folks uh, who are in this predicament, like at least being able to hear what some other people are thinking, how they're making their decision, if they're if they were not vaccinated and all these regulations are contemplating uh, coercing them into getting this vaccination or if they I'm not doing it. Like, I don't care what you do. I'm not doing it. We'll do the tests or whatever the case like. You know, how are you navigating that? I'm sure folks would appreciate just hearing trying to make sense of a very uh, chaotic situation. Uh, I'll give out the number again. Seven, two, zero, seven, one, six, seven, three hundred. The code five, six, four, nine, four, three pound. Press star six, one. If you would like to participate, I guess I feel like I'd still say it again. I'm not advocating the use of fake vaccine cards. That is a felony. They have said I'm just stating it because I do know people are using those. We had a report that that's pretty widespread been going on for some time. Uh, I think there even may be some cows listeners who have a bogus vaccine card. So that is something that people are employing if they, you know, don't want to be vaccinated and, you know, feel like they want to make sure they are not restricted from any activities. That's it. Other folks who uh, dialed in uh, with a hand up, you have commentary to share. Line should be open. Proceed. Can I be heard? Bay Area mom. Yes, ma'am. Um, thank you for taking my call. Greetings to you and the callers on the line and listeners, because they might not push the button to come in and talk. Workplace racism for me, because I missed all the commentary and everybody else's situation. So I report my supervisor, the, 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 um, the Spanish speaking, um, supervisor that could be classified as white. Every Friday I report her when I'm on my way home. I report her every Friday because I need supervision for the uh, the male child that I complain about every time I call. Um, so she came last Friday. Uh, she didn't come in person. She came via my tablet to a session. Um, 
<laughs> she, what I told her, because nothing had been done, nothing had changed on his program. I think she added uh, play time by yourself, uh, play time by yourself, like a timer, and maybe table time, like whatever we're working, work from the table, which is not sitting at the table. So uh, I don't even run that. Um, I've been asking for months to change his um, change his goals to make it more um, friendly with him. So that, since you know him now, since you've met him and been around him, can you please change these goals, please? Thank you. So she didn't do it until Monday or Tuesday. I think I noticed it. Because on Friday when I had her on the Zoom or whatever, this tablet thing, I had to tell her, look, what can you do to help me help this child? I've been here a year. What can you do with your power? This is your case. What can you give me to assist him? I need you. You were just here two weeks ago. Everything that we did, nothing is on the tablet. Everything that I asked you to put on this tablet, I need on this tablet. Okay, well, give me what you want me to. Lady, it's Friday. It's maintenance now. So there's no reason to give you anything because all we're doing is maintenance, and your maintenance is baloney. So there's no, no. Oh, well, yeah, that does make sense, yeah. Oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try not to come on Friday. It doesn't matter if you come, what day you pick to come. Change the curriculum. That's all I ask, and then it works. doesn't matter what day you come. You come on Saturday. doesn't matter. But when you do it, when there's nothing done, and then Friday, which is so, and my, the supervisor that my, my AM supervisor, which is my support supervisor, on Fridays they came up with something to where we're doing maintenance with the children on Friday, so it's not as, um, it's not as hard as the Monday through Thursday. It's just maintenance, just stuff that they already know or should already know, it's nothing, separate it. I have Monday through Thursday sheet with my AM supervisor, one Friday sheet for maintenance. Perfect. Not this one. Everything's crumbled in one. She threw on some maintenance, <laughs> threw on three little maintenance at the bottom of some foolishness. And, uh, like, oh, dear. And then none of the maintenance works because it has nothing to do with him. So I have to make up stuff. So she put she changed it around, put the stuff in there um, that I, I I asked her to. Um, so now I can work with this. It's still it's very complicated because the house is a a, a whole other story. But at least I have um, a program for him that can work. It's just gonna take a long time. So my supervisor, my support supervisor, and the supervisor of my AM case is the same person. She went on vacation. So another supervisor came. She set it up to where I still had supervision. I don't have to wait till she gets back to be supervised, which is not, it's still this month. And I've had supervision with her this month in person and in, um, on the tablet. She's wonderful. Um, she has sent another supervisor to come and overlap me on maybe Wednesday. Wonderful. Thanks. She was great. She gave me stuff, materials and stuff that I could use. Priceless. She fixed some little hiccups in the um, sheet. Wonderful. No problem. 
then as we're talking, she's like, oh, yeah, you're su- the other lady is going to be here. You're going to have um, that's a supervisor from my, my little boy. She's going to come and supervise my AM session. Mind you, she's not even on the case anymore, right, because the other lady took off the case. She's not even on the case. Whoa, not even your case, but you need extra money. So you're going to come pop in on my session to supervise me, and I just had a super. I just was supervised on Wednesday, so I don't know when you're coming, but okay, what are you coming for? So then a grandmother of the the the, the AM child said, "Who's coming?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, uh, such and such is coming. Um, to, to supervise to help overlap." So I don't believe it. She doesn't do anything. And then so then she was like, you know, of course you can't say you can't just chop them up. She's like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, hopefully this, or hopefully, you know, the the norm blow off because you can't just chop up the or talk about the um, supervising and fellow employees like that. So uh, then she asked me the next day. She said, the grandma. She said, are you mad at me for what I said about? I said, uh, uh-uh. I just don't say anything. I just, she's like, yeah, no, you're not supposed to say anything. I go, no, and I didn't. I'm not saying a word. My lips are sealed. You say what you want. Well, she's like, yeah, because I'm the customer. And I just want to let her know. I was like, no, you can let her know whatever you need. I'm like, I'm cool. So while we're talking, ring, ring, ring. My tablet is ringing because this lady is popping in on my session. I need you to pop in on my session with the little boy. Don't pop in on this session. So she pops in on the session. I'm looking at the tablet, and I have to answer, but I didn't want to answer. I was just so agitated, so I answered on the 19th ring. I let the little girl say hi to her, and she's looking like, I don't even know you, because she does it. She was never available. So um, she's talking, and I did complete. I did very well with this little girl with zero help from her, because this was her case. So she's looking over at her case, getting this free money. And um, she's just looking at us, and we're doing what we do. And I told her what goals I'm running, what I'm working on. This is what we're doing today, da-da-da-da-da-da. So I run them, however we do it. And then Potty. She's like, how is it working with Potty? Yeah, because you put that goal in there last year, huh? I'll tell you how it's working. We're working at yeah, thanks, thanks, but no thanks. So then she says, you're doing so great. She's so changed so much since the last time I saw her. She's developed so well, and this, that, and the third, and woo bells and whistles, all this stuff. I didn't even tell her the little girls in school because it's none of your business. So then after she gives me all the woo at a girl, I said, oh, yeah, thanks. So with all that said, everything you just saw, what can you do? For that 8 p.m. client that I have, what can you do with all this? You look at this. You just sat here and watched me with her. What are you going to do about the uh, the case that we have? She gets a hole in her head and oh, oh, rubbing in her hair. I don't know. I've been thinking and thinking and thinking, and I just don't know. I don't know. I even talked to my supervisor. Yeah, you talk to your supervisor because I report you every Friday. I bet you talk to your supervisor. So. <laughs> that's my workplace racism and I'm doing very I'm trying very hard with the time that I have as far as COVID they sent something about COVID but I don't have time for the meetings because they're via this tablet during my work hours so they have playbacks what I do know is they do have something now which is new that through my uh, pay portal I can upload my vaccination um, information 
So uh, I'm not vaccinated. Uh, if it becomes a requirement, I'll just identify as a vaccinated person and just go from there. And um, I, I guess moving forward, and I guess that'll be with everything. And um, I'll mute my line. And thanks for taking my call. Hmm. Much obliged, Bay Area mom, white edit. Well, I don't know. This basically is kind of white educators, even though he's not quite in school yet. But it, I mean, basically white educators. Um, when you play around with sex, the joke is on the offspring. Um, again, updating the resume, getting out of here exit plan like these just seem like the worst folks to work with uh the work worst folks to have like allegedly helping your client your child like uh updating the resume and giving them the peace sign um i mean that is so you have to go to someone help me to help this black child why is this child's act or I can't it's academic plan or his goal plan? Why is his plan not on the tablet ready to go? Wow, 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 and all this head scratching and hand. You're supposed to be the supervisor. Do you need supervision? <laughs> like, what is going on here? Oh, this is the black male privilege. This is a white educator basically who's setting a black child up to fail. play around with sex the joke is on the offspring and I think she's commented repeatedly when we get this uh, white woman we think out of the the picture and bring in a non-white person to actually supervise hey we get all kinds of things done look at that wow someone who cares is vested can upload the plan to the tablet wow things get done same kind of attitude I'm accustomed to seeing in the classroom or the university setting or wherever you have the white woman teacher and black children. The disrespect uh, just is gargantuan uh, just in how they the, the interruptions even you're with it. You just ask for basics like, you know, can we have this child's plan uploaded in a timely manner and not wait till the last minute or the end of the week when it's not going to be of any use at all? No, we can. Oh, OK. <laughs> all right. Uh, and then you come. You're doing your job. I'm here. I'm with my client trying to work in a professional capacity. I love the no gossip. Like even sounds like these folks had legitimate uh, reasons to report incorrect behavior and poor work. That's just making a report. No problem there. You're the client. You're supposed to do that. Report bad service right on. But I'm not going to jump in that so that it can be a gossip because you just never know that gets reported back or someone overhears like excellent. No gossiping. All that said, she's working with the client, Bay Area mom, and then the supervisor. I got to dial in and interrupt the session. What? What in the world? Like, how is this? How is this you? being like a plus supervisor again disrupting and taking me away from the black child everything is in detriment to the the black clients that you're serving 
call me on the tab to interrupt me and ask me some nonsense that you could have done that like after the session was over appropriate professional contact no problem I would just be polishing my resume and hoping to uh, dip on these folks as soon as possible like man I mean then it sounds like they probably could really be helping some of these uh, families some of these children that's really you know the bottom line they could really be doing some great work uh, in this part of California but nope chilling doing our zoom meetings May, I'm sure she's making a huge amount of money for her little salary to sit at home and do nothing, be a disruption and to not help these black children at all. System of white supremacy, racism. A uh, person emailed a report. This is from today. This is at CNN. I hate CNN. Uh, this is at CNN. Uh, black former crafts, craft Heinz employees say co-workers threatened to kill them if they didn't quit should have got the audio on this I just got it in my hand should have got oh, let me read some of this a trio of black former Kraft Heinz factory workers are suing the company for 30 million dollars over what they claim was routine racist harassment from former co-workers and supervisors they didn't say historically marginalized communities the plaintiffs claim their former co-workers left notes in their lockers calling them the N-word and once threatened to kill them if they didn't quit their jobs. After attorneys working for former Kraft Heinz employees Alex Horn, Lance Aitman, and Keith Hooker filed their lawsuits in the U.S. Eastern District Court of California on Tuesday, Bay Area Mom. The complaint alleges the three men were subjected to a pattern of harassing and discriminatory behavior based upon their race over the course of several years along with other black employees who worked with them at a dairy facility run by Kraft Heinz Food. The factory is based in Tulare, California a predominantly Hispanic and white community located 52 miles southeast of Fresno, not too far from the Bay Area. Hmm. Uh, one, they said Hispanic and white. Now, I don't know what that means. Uh, so-called Hispanic, because that came up with Bay Area Mom. She said this might be same woman that's supervising. Uh, they got Hispanic white as a classification. So this could be just a whole sundown town, really, where some of them speak Spanish. Never been to this part of California. I've been to Fresno, not to Lair. Never heard of it, actually. Uh, one thing I would say, though, if this was a note that's what it said left notes in their locker and threatened to kill them if they didn't quit their jobs that would be a police call you cannot threaten to kill someone picture call the police Uh, if it's a workplace situation there are certain times where it would be bypass reporting to a a supervisor or human resources anything that you would call the police anyway if you were not at work the same rules should apply for work we've had people who have been assaulted uh, in the workplace that's a police call. Same way it would be if you were at home or at the beach, wherever else. Some things are a police call. I think that is one. Photograph, pick whatever, and then bam. Uh, and that might even be a 911 call because that's threatening to kill. Yeah, that might even be a 911 call. I would think, uh, do I think this is imminent danger type of a thing? But it would definitely be a police call, non emergency or 911. I just have to take my, you know, how much of a, a threat do I think this is? Um, other folks who dialed in the number again 
300 decode 564-943 pound press star 61 if you would like to participate oh there are black people sitting out at the beach I always see black people at this beach always I could I vomit every time like I look and literally I could have been at this beach for years like I could have been at this, at this beach for every neutralizing workplace program uh, that we did like for years years <laughs> like uh, right the place that I moved to where we had the flood at right down the road like I had no idea it was that close like uh, and this is the lane beach like I would take going to the lane beach anytime <sighs> anyway other folks who dialed in with a hand up uh, line should be open proceed Can I be heard? Retired firefighter in Florida. Yes, sir. Greetings uh, to everybody. Uh, I uh, was just going to uh, attempt to respond to the uh, question about uh, a, uh, I guess it's called a third title, uh, to a uh, person, person's name, uh to me, it's a it's a business like uh, business like uh, behavior culture uh, that should be done in in the workplace, uh, uh, or if not in the workplace, it's something that uh, how one should uh, communicate and respond with someone that they are not either familiar with or has not submitted that they that you call them by their first name. Uh, 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 too many people uh, take it for granted that uh, they would like to be addressed, especially in the workplace, by their first name. And white people have a tendency also of, of shortening non-white people's name. Uh, and... Uh, uh, the first thing is, uh, let me answer, answer that. Uh, no, I, I don't get, I never would ha- it was never familiar for me for people to address me, uh, as Mr. in my first name. But, uh, the only time when I was working on me being addressed, Mr. So-and-so, I was in some sort of serious trouble. Uh, that was the only time that I would get addressed in, in that, uh, in that particular way. Uh, even, even I've noticed even with non-white people, especially non-white young people, that, uh, they would not address you as Mr. And it's the female version of course would be Ms. or, or Mrs. Uh, with, uh, non-white people, especially younger black males, they would address uh, people uh, as boss, like uh, Mantan Moreland did about 60, 70 years ago, uh, the uh, quote-unquote black comedian actor, uh, uh, you know, would be saying, yeah, boss. You know that sort of thing, and 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 I know I know the young person doesn't even know anything about that particular type of behavior, but it's something that is unfortunately continuous. 
to do. Uh, and, uh, but yet they think it's something that's, that's new, uh, that type of slang. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the only time, the only time I would be addressed as Mr. would be, uh, would on, when I was working was actually would be, uh, if I was in some sort of trouble and they called me in for a meeting or something, uh, kind of like remind me of, of what somebody would have to go through by going through the criminal court system. <laughs> but uh yeah those are my my thoughts on that thank you mm. opalaka three retired firefighter in florida known troublemaker southern florida uh let's see uh other folks who dialed in so that's two answers on the Mr. I said I hadn't I couldn't really think of that one either in terms of the workplace, uh, but I definitely know that that pattern of shortening names and nicknames and all that other, you know, ways to disparage exit boss and all the rest of it. And yeah, anything but just your name. And that's that. Uh, let's see. Much obliged, retired firefighter in Florida. Uh, other folks who dialed in with a hand up. You have commentary to share. Line should be open. Can I be heard? Uh, yes, sir. We can hear you. All right. Good evening, Gus. Good evening, callers. Good evening, listeners. Um, just wanted to present some new information. I called in last week about the um, COVID testing or vaccination status. And then uh, we, we spoke about that. I want to share some new information that I um, recently found. I don't know if it is a nationwide thing, but people should investigate that because like when I, I, when I spoke about it, I think I spoke that um, I what recently had been tested positive for COVID and then I was worried about the false positives that would come about if you were um, testing on a weekly basis and what I found that as far as in New York City where I, where I live is a exemption stating that you are should not have been should not be retested from three months after your testing has has um has been uh, ha- three months three months after you have a positive result or your your symptoms began or the from from the test of, of the of the status. So I've actually I think I have a 120 day reprieve. And like you said, um, I think that uh, you know saying just developing. A bunch of questions, and like I said, I had a conversation with a manager who thinks that um, the agency I work for will be possibly implementing a um, mandatory um, vaccination um, implement. So I, I um, think I think that's the next thing. But just people who 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 are not inclined, like as I am, 
were not inclined to be vaccinated and you have maybe have a um, positive test in your in your recent history, you might be able to buy yourself some time by saying that I have a test that was positive and I, I can't be tested again for three months after that because it will return, it's likely, it's likely return a false positive. Uh, and then like I said, the other questions, like it's a, it's a other question, the other question I had was, like I said, with the Delta variant, now that we, we see that vaccinated people can infect other people, why are, why not, why are they not subject to being tested? And I'll meet my line. Thank you. Much obliged for the update. Always appreciate folks uh, giving us the uh, updates. It's like part of the chaos is that <clears throat> because it there's no federal like top down. This is what it's going to be for workplace or schools or what have you. It uh, is kind of a state by state jurisdiction by jurisdiction type thing. Uh, I know in some places uh, they've said. You got to be vaccinated and that's that. We're not doing any exceptions. It's vaccine or no job. Some places, our previous caller, he said it's vaccine or you have to submit to a weekly test. So, yeah, it kind of, you know, if you're in one of those environments where it's a test option, that might be a loophole for you. uh, So-called metaphor. Uh, Just guess you got to check the fine print and then make sure to ask. Uh, to get clarification, but that might be one of those where, hey, I tested positive at such and such a date, and I'm supposed to have a good, what is it, three months of I should not be tested. So, as he said, that might give you more time to think, or who knows what the policy will be by the time three months has passed. It's seeming to change every five minutes, ten minutes, whatever it is, uh, in terms of what to do, what not to do. So, just be and questions. That's the the most important thing. You do not want to be uh, caught off guard by any of this. You really want to know, like, as soon as they start making changes, really before even this might be one. If you have people that you're courteous with who work in HR that you can talk to and they can kind of let you know what's coming down the pike. This is the time like pass a word if you all hang out at the water cooler or whatever but I would make sure to chit chat with them uh, to try not to be caught off guard so that you can process everything if it's updates to policy and procedure read every little sentence word uh, and make sure that you grasp it Uh, if anything is not clear like some of what we've heard ask questions and maybe ask them in writing via email uh, so that you have written documentation this is what they said to clarify my claim. Keep asking until you get your que- uh, question answered. Very important so that we can make, you know, the safest possible decisions uh, for yourself, your family and everything else. Just uh, ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. The number again is 720-716-732. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to.
to participate. Again, uh, not for spectators. Uh, and <clears throat> we should be here Sunday. Uh, irregular time, I reckon. Uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific. Our global Sunday talk on racism. I will certainly make sure to ask them uh, if they're, you know, what what does the workplace policy look like? Is it some sort of national mandate? Are they scoffing about wearing masks? Do they have vaccine mandates? Like just hearing what that, what does all of that look like? I know in some countries they've, you know, been pretty strict vaccine mandate and blah, blah, blah. The predominantly white countries I'm talking about, but we shall see. Uh, that'll be Sunday, 3 PM Eastern, 2 PM central, 12 PM Pacific. We'll catch up with some of our international uh, listeners. Uh, I'm also eager to ask them about the eviction moratorium. Like, are they talking about having uh, a rash of evictions and people being tossed out in the gutter, uh, like in England and other parts of the world? Is that conversation going on? Because I haven't seen that on like the BBC and other news outlets, but we shall see. That's Sunday. Should be here tomorrow for the compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We'll catch up on what's gone down the last seven days or so that fella at the library of congress white man with a bomb and a black truck fascinating week most of the year has been but we'll catch up on what has transpired the last seven days tomorrow compensatory call in uh, let's see I'll double check uh, my email the email again until justice at gmail.com make sure I did not miss uh, any of the folks who uh, wrote in until justice at gmail.com. Uh, again, if folks have uh, any thoughts, suggestions, you want to make sure that you uh, share. Not able to dial in, feel free to drop an email and we will add your commentary. We can keep things uh, anonymous. Uh, if you are concerned and what have you, don't just be a spectator. Uh, other folks, uh, and I guess we had that question as well. Any other folks, if you can think of in a workplace setting where a non-white person was referred to uh, with Mr. or Mrs. Uh, and then their first name as opposed to the surname, uh, like Mr. Gus type of a thing. If you all can think of any of those in the workplace, uh, feel free. You have your own situation. Uh, other folks who dialed in or if you have comments on what's been shared thus far, proceed. Folks are taking a moment yeah. to get... Oh, I heard some uh, Bay Area mom. Hi, Gus. May I, may I ask you something, please? Yes, ma'am. Let's hear it. Okay, super. Um, can you, I, I blank out with the, the Tulare story. Can you kind of give me a, a, a recap on what you said about Tulare, California, in Fresno? Yes, ma'am. Let's see. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I'm going to just go back to the news report because I, I read that live with you all. That was oh, not when I was prepped for. So this is that I'll post it on uh, oh, no, no my Facebook okay, page. Cool. Yes, ma'am. I'll post it on Facebook okay. so you can read it because uh, I think they have okay. a uh, I think they have a video with it as well. Or no, that's something else. Mm-hmm. Never mind. I'll post it anyway because they do have the okay, report. Okay. So anyway, okay, it's okay, a trio no, of okay, black cool. former Kraft Heinz factory workers are suing the company for $30 mm-hmm. million dollars over what they claim Ooh. was routine racist harassment from former co-workers and supervisors. The plaintiffs claim their former co-workers left notes in their lockers calling them the N-word and once threatened to kill them if they didn't quit their jobs. 
the complaint alleges the three men were subjected to a pattern of harassing and discriminatory behavior based upon their race over the course of several years, along with other black employees who worked with them at a dairy facility run by Kraft Heinz Foods. The factory is based in Tulare, California, a predominantly Hispanic and white community located 52 miles southeast of Fresno. The plaintiffs say their co-workers drew swastikas on the lockers of multiple black employees and sent a note that said no niggers as coordinators during one purported incident. Additional notes said quit or die nigger during another incident according to the complaint which includes photographs of the alleged notes. Ding! Uh, and then it just gives more idea. Does that clarify? Did you need more information? Yeah. No, no, no. I didn't. I just went, I just missed it. I was like, what's going on in Too Little? Because we call it Too Little because it's so small. And, um, you know, when you get there, because you can smell, uh, it smells like cow behind. It's awful. So, yeah, and it is, just like they said, uh, Spanish and um, uh, white uh people no not a lot of blacks the blacks that live there it's it's i guess the economics is different it's um but it's by the farmland um that that way it's awful Twilemy. it's awful over there as far as uh just survive it's it's nothing to do you have to go to the next city over and i think um can't think of the name of the uh, city the next city over at the moment but um yeah i just wanted to uh hear what you said about that and um thank you indeed indeed now that's interesting i didn't get that last part in before they said no niggers as coordinators now we've heard that consistently uh we don't want the niggers to work here period but we certainly like coordinator that's like some sort of management executive position like what (laughs) you gonna put these niggers in this position are you serious that's supposed to be a white man or a white woman they and I'm so glad to hear they took pictures. Now, based on what they heard, I may not that may not be a nine one one call. The die uh quit nigger or die unless it would depend on it would yeah, other circumstances. That might be a nine one one call, but at minimum that is a police call. I cannot emphasize that enough. Call the police. Picture, call the police. That should be a police report, not a complaint. A police report was filed about this incident. Uh, it says the Tulare plant was rife with anti-black slurs didn't say historically marginalized groups called them niggers the Tulare plant was rife with anti-black slurs innuendos, threats and discrimination not racism the lawsuit said the anti-black abuse came from peers and supervisors who controlled when at or whether plaintiffs would see promotions transfers and raises not surprisingly, the supervisors passed over plaintiffs in favor of non-black employees. All in quotes. Mm. Black male privilege. Whew. California love. Wow. Indeed. Indeed. 
I've never been to that part of California, but hey, plantation is large. California State is large. Uh, I can only say again, take pictures, anything like that in the workplace, take pictures. If it's any sort of threat, call the police and uh, document, document, document. Blackmail privilege. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Other folks, commentary they wanted to make sure they got in. May I be heard? Uh, caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners, and callers. Um, there's been a lot going on. It's like it never seems to slow down. I, I don't know, but it's intense. It's in, in terms of paying attention. Um, Sunday evening, uh, I noticed a new report come up where a uh, person associated with a clique member, uh, female, her boyfriend or whatever, was arrested for uh, attempting to murder somebody at a bar up and start, like slit her throat or whatever. So uh, she (laughs) apparently, you know, has, and the reason I'm mentioning it this way is because um, she is a person that provides backup for our area. So she's been going in and out of the job, you know. Um, and then, like, I do the screenshots of the racist Facebook posts, and she clearly shows association with this person. So there's been some issues with how uh, she's been coming into work, but also on the calendar, I noticed that from when we got an email on Monday, uh, the supervisor listed it that she is using PTO because she texted her on Sunday to be out on Monday. But, the black person, the black female was listed as a call out. So I'm like, why, you know, why would she use those two terms? Because both of them seem like a call out to me because PTO is supposed to be scheduled. Uh, so that was another one I took a picture of. Um, number two, uh, as far as the COVID, that's been um, pretty much, I'm trying to use the most direct word I can. Um, I'm not going to say a mystery, but it's been problematic. I'll just use that word because, uh, once again, more of the Warren's clique that she likes to protect white women. Uh, Three of them on Monday, I believe, came in. And they worked the bulk, the majority of the day. And I think they were sent home at around uh, three o'clock or something like that. 
because the three of them uh, last week were, I guess, huddled up from what I was told or what was reported to me from another victim about one of the three white women, another, you know, one of the boyfriends tested positive. So three of them, you know, that's contact tracing. So, um, the warden obviously knew about this situation. So three of them ended up going home and Tuesday, a come Tuesday, we find out one of them tested positive. Then I think another one tested positive. So that's three people that were out. Uh, and they got a lot of other people out too. This is an area like on the other side of the courthouse. So, um, and, you know, in another department, traffic, another one comes in. Now, this is after a white woman gets extremely upset and goes to the warden uh, and was asking, like, why are you allowing people to come in that's either been exposed or tested positive or whatever? And, and I'm hearing that one of the lame responses was, oh, well, you know, I can't follow them follow them everywhere they go, which doesn't make sense because it's about whether or not they are coming here in the workplace. It's not following them everywhere. So they keep in contact and they text all the time. So that was just one of the ways of her defending it. So she is not being professional. And as you say, Gus, the term safety violating uh, all of the employees' uh, safety and not having a uh, safe work environment for everyone so uh after that i think it was about wednesday another one a fourth white woman came in and i guess her excuse <laughs> was she didn't have any pto but from my understanding it was known she was positive and was in there talking about the other three white women Come in. Oh, well, they shouldn't. They shouldn't have come in. She being a hypocrite, she came in too. See? So she ended up getting sent home. And then the whole department had to get tested on their lunch breaks, from my understanding. Um, so that, uh, that occurred. My next one is I was about to take a, a passport photo and this comment was made by a black male and no, it was really just a black male, uh, attempted father and his son that I was going to take that photograph. So they had just came through the security and he, <laughs> like his son was about to take the picture first. So he was just taking, he was just putting his belt on. He said, man, he said, uh, you know, you know, so, something about, they try to get a brother to, he said brother now, they try to get the brother to put a belt on. Now they're making me take it, now they're making me take it off. So I guess that was to be something that I'm supposed to resonate with, I guess, because I'm a black person, black male. But I, I thought that was interesting. Um, our next one is uh, victim of racism. I think they are they were practicing racism with her because the black male didn't come and look at the files all week long 
this week and they definitely didn't share anything with me about it. So I'm thinking that something has occurred with that because they said that she was supposed to start back this Monday, uh, but she had an issue with um, daycare and one of the people at the daycare uh, tested positive for COVID. So she had to take care of her baby. So she came in Tuesday and she goes to a lunch break, comes back from lunch, call her back into the office. She comes back out and out of nowhere, she's like, I got to go back to archives. So I'm like, <laughs> like, wow, I knew something like that was going to happen. Uh, I just didn't know in what form. So she gets up, she walks toward the door. I'm like, is it going to be the same hours or what? Are they changing up anything? And she was like, I don't know. And I could see the redness and the tears in her eyes. And it's just, it's just uh, tragic, you know? So she walks out the other side and, and sending her back over to archives. So to get her hopes up, bring her over just to send her back. So I guess they're concerned about the guy coming back or what. I, I'm not sure about the situation. Um, and I have two more. Uh, there was an arrest, uh, like an actual arrest that occurred like right in front of me. I'm still just thinking about it. Like I still have visuals and images in my mind playing out where um, it was me and a white coworker, white female. We were just sitting at the desk and the, the clerk, the top person, most powerful white person comes in. And as soon as he asked me, how am I doing? I didn't even get a chance to respond because I turned my head uh, and I see this black male come in. I guess one of the, the customers that they've been having issues with or whatever. And I see one white man with a green suit on the, the, the sheriff. Uh, put his hands on him, like grabs him, and then uh, rushes him up against the table. And they go to the other table like, hey, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Get your hands off me. And then the second, third one, so that's three of them, two white men get on to this black male, bring out the handcuffs. So, like, they in this big scuffle, right? <laughs> so the... the uh, the white man, he just standing there just looking at this, like the, the clerk. Uh, and then we're just all just looking at it. Like, you can't arrest me like this. What the, what the hell are you doing? Um, you know, you did. And then this person like foul language is what they call it. Vulgar language cursing. Um, he's dropping his stuff all over the place, pictures and things that he had belongings. Uh, so they went to get a bag to go help pick his stuff up and he's saying like you never gave me a warning ticket i don't need one i don't need a warning ticket so that's what this this the sergeant said to him the black guy so he's up with the handcuffs on now i took four guys four white dudes so they surrounding this black guy and he said oh what what was that was that a threat you making a threat to me so the black guy says you know what? 
I'm just I'm thinking about 1999. He said 1999 or something like that. And he said, he said, I'm that nigga. I'm that nigga. I'm that nigga. Uh, but you know what? I'll go back even the Kunta Kinte white boy. Uh, so, you know, he's talking, I guess, so-called talking trash to the white, the white sheriff or the white sergeant. So, and he was like, you know, this is my freedom of speech. So we're all just watching this, he say, and I, this is this is vulgar right here, but I'm just going to say it. He said that I'm not going to suck no dick to get out of jail. So they take him out, the black guy. Um, so <laughs> I'm like, you know, what what was this about? So I went to go talk with the uh, the clerk about this, man, like, hey. You know, I'm I'm concerned about like this was unnecessary. This didn't have to happen because it could have gone real bad. Uh, and there was a white woman over in the civil area that was projecting her voice and talking down to the, the black supervisor. Said, "I want to see a supervisor," and she was like, "I am the supervisor. Well, I want to talk to I want to talk to somebody over you." And that was a black person too. So she, this white woman, was angry, but. They then, of course, then send the bailers to apprehend her or to warn her about her tone. She was causing a disruption. Um, and I just got one more. Uh, there was a Facebook post by another gang clan member. Um, and it was about jokes. It says she listed two names in the game. And it's a picture of the character um, Jafar from Aladdin. And it says, I love the way your dirty or your foul little mind works. And then she says, yeah, our jokes. So obviously I'm thinking that's connecting to racism too. Um, and that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Hmm. Pick it on that. They had Will Smith in the new Aladdin. I haven't seen it, but I think in, in Will Smith in the in the latest uh, rendition of Aladdin. I have to go get my Disney account updated. I think. I love the way your dirty little mind works. Like what? that. Uh, see, even that word "dirty," because sometimes they'll come. I have smacked my headset like fifty times today. I've disconnected my headset at least five times. Like. Man, I'm going to have to sit with my hands still and no moving for the rest of the program. Flippin', they will say that a movie that depicts pornography, get to mention it again, say that's a dirty movie, right? And then they'll come back and say something that needs to be cleaned is dirty. Lots of different applications for dirty. And then their joke, sometimes dirty jokes, we... Woo, that is uh, right there at the doorstep of racist jokes, man. Like, woo. And then the people that we're talking about, the click members, and I mean, what other kind of dirty jokes are there? Let's see. Uh, he said one of the click members. <laughs> now we end with the click members and their dirty jokes. We start with the click member. He said, was it the boyfriend, the husband, the partner? is accused of killing someone. I thought he was going to say uh, maybe toilet paper in the lawn or drunk truck killing someone. 
slitting their throat like what? A rental James Simpson type? Like, are you serious? What in the... Oh. I don't know what type of folks, what type of screening process you have down here at the courthouse, but man, like, I mean, and that's one for sure. Now, imagine a black, I don't care who the black person is, Barack Obama, Serena Williams, any black person in the world, Nelson Mandela, and they say, not one of your homies, your partner, your spouse is accused of killing someone, slitting their throat like, ooh, ooh. you are fitting to be in the, you can even think about that when you at the, uh, my man at the courthouse come into work, let's say he's married or whatever, and say, oh my goodness, is your wife accused of slip? What type of dangerous nigger do we have in the court? He's probably got the razor in issue right now, Lord. Now, I could be cutting a fool, but I don't think so. <laughs> like, I could not imagine. That would be like the worst day ever to work with white people. And your partner is acute. And then on top of that, I'm going to need a few days of PTO because we need to talk to an attorney. And I wish Johnny Cochran was here. But we got lots of problems. We got we got serious business to attend to. So I'm going to need some PTO. Like, whoa, whoa. You cannot call me. Whoa, you cannot call into the courthouse and take PTO because one of your family members has slipped someone's throat, allegedly. Like, uh, I don't even know if that's FMLA, like real talk, like, man, uh, (laughs) what does it mean to be white? Jesus, like, and they will come back and say that Gus T is militant and violent. I haven't slit anyone's throat plant-based vegan uh then the black now the black fella comes out oh no no can't have that belt black people be catching it they like black absolutely incredible that's seven i said i have to sit on my hands for the rest of the broadcast black male privilege you can't even wear them now i've said that too going to the courthouse where man they made they took my keys they took everything (laughs) like i hated it i did not have on a belt I know they might take that too, but I mean, wow. And then he tries to make a funny out of all this. Uh, I think they might call that gallows humor. Uh, they didn't, they mad at me and wanted me to put a belt on. Now they take it off. Brother. No love, brother. No love, brother. Doesn't <laughs> like, like, man, it's a, it is a rough experience at the courthouse. Apparently for the black brothers, like, man. Uh, so we go to the next one. The COVID, I said, we, really, we could have been doing the whole program just on the COVID nineteen, and you know, do you have to get a, a vaccine, and what's the protocol going to be? Can you work from home? Like all of that. White people on the job here, testing positive. What is the protocol? And again, this is the courthouse. Like you got, you know, pub, I'm sure everybody who comes into the courthouse isn't just a black male that we want to arrest and spit on. So, you got white people who come into the courthouse. Aren't we concerned about their safety? Like, hey. You test it positive, home. Test, you know, do whatever the protocol is, 10 days, quarantine or whatever, 14, whatever. And then we'll see you again. Not, well, you know, I don't have any PTO. So me and the Rona will be hanging out with you all for a few days. Like what? What? And then we got to go tell on people and 
get the supervisor to come intervene. And then with her lame excuse, I can say, well, I can't, uh, you know, follow these people around. So what are you even talking about? Do you have policies about, hey, if you've tested positive, you need to quarantine. You can enforce who's in this workspace. Yes. Warden. Tell me, I, I don't know what to do. They're just overrunning the plantation. Are you serious? And that's another. So that would be your response if it was me. I came in here and had tested positive. I don't, I don't know. You know, he's hard to deal with. I just I struggle. You know, he calls me racist every other day. I have a hard time thinking it would be that way. And then, like he said, they get to use PTO. Now, this has come up so many times. They got black people. They can use their PTO. Black people. No, no, no. You can't share black uh, PTO with the Negras. Then they come up with all these loopholes for white people. He said PTO is supposed to be approved. Hey, I call in Sunday. We had a uh, I was going to say we had a death in the family. No, no, no. We have a family member accused of killing. Need a little PTO. <laughs> like, come on. Like on the day before. Like, come on. Come on. Come on. Uh, slit someone's throat. Like, what? And it was on the news, the local news, so everybody could have seen it. Said that he was walking around barefooted. (laughs) And then then there was a blood trail going to the the bathroom. Oh, my God. They they surrounded, the white people surrounded him outside of the bar, so he went leave. So, you know, when white people go at you like that, you're pretty much done, at least for that person. A tr- this is like some West Craven, a trail of blood. This is on the news. I like, come on, come on. <laughs> I mean, who you hang out with reflects greatly on your character. Like, Again, now imagine any of you all out there, retired firefighter. That's Opalaka three saying he's already thought of as a troublemaker. <laughs> imagine you got to go into work and we uh, saw the news. This doesn't look good. <laughs> Are you serious? I I busted uh, Miss Sinclair about laughing, but I don't even know what else to say. Like what? I can't even get my mind to get the right like Susan's and the trail of <laughs> Woo man. man discombobulated me so that's eight knocked my headphones out again. Discombobulated me so uh <laughs> the arrest the arrest I didn't. Are these like police? Like I thought these were just like uh, the bailiffs and security for the courthouse. Like, do they have a warrant for his arrest? Did he like? So you said you just looked up. Like you didn't. I mean, I can only say um, the bombing incident uh, in the Capitol. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But before I saw anything about it, I hadn't read any information. I didn't know anything about it. I just saw that there was a report that there was some sort of threat. The, the Library of Congress was evacuated. Uh, suspicion of a bombing. That's all I saw. And I said, man, white genetic annihilation. 
Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, that census report uh, and them alleging declining population of whites, either percentage or actual number, however it's interpreted that I said, you'll have lots more of those types of incidents. That's my processing uh, that white people, they love that. Grab my nigger knocker, beat on a black male. They were probably rehearsing for the black male that they wanted to arrest and beat on anyway. The one that was coming there and looking for information on the sheriff because they were already uh, cavorting, colluding, uh, uh, what is it, cavorting? I said it correctly the first time. Uh, about, yeah, we'll scheme. We'll get the IT guy. We'll get his fingerprints. We'll look up his browsing history. We got him. We'll get him. Next time we'll have a whole plan on just networking. We're doing all the. What did he do? Okay, he's looking for information on the sheriff. Is that illegal? Is that wrong? Like, what? What is the problem? You got to tell me something. Going to get him. Then this fella. Who knows what he did? He can't. And then four grown white people got to jump on this person in the middle of the court. Like you said. Like, what if this black guy has a gun? And feels, whoa, I'm being assaulted. Like, I don't know if you all are police officers. You haven't said anything about a warrant. Like, what is this? I'm going to pull out my gun and defend. Hey, this is stand your ground land. This could have went all kinds of that, even if they had shot him. Like, is that what we want in the courthouse? Gunning down people like brawling and all of this. Like, that's the bet. It gets safety. I come back to that. This is what we want to maintain a safe environment for customers and workers. Is this the best way to maintain safety for everybody? Gang takedowns randomly in the middle of the courthouse. That's the best way, the safest way to operate business. Hey, Gus, can I can I yeah, add yes, sir. a yes, little sir. bit of detail to it? So now the bailiff now when I took the lunch break, a, a different one, he said that now, now how how's this now? They have these uh, the panic button, the security. Now how about the same racist that pressed the panic button is the one whose boyfriend got arrested at the bar? <laughs> that was the that was the same female that pressed it on the black person. But see, the white people come up in there screaming. I even got a report that once spat on a black person the, the uh, a, a few years ago, and they didn't apprehend her, right? Spit on someone. Well, you just said that's assault, so that's automatic police call. But I, that didn't galvanize the, the security, okay? Um, And so he was at the... Uh, the counter speaking to um, one of my coworkers and yeah, I could hear his voice and they were saying, I guess they were trying to get him to leave or something. And he was just saying, I'm just coming to check something on my record. And then next thing you know, they were, they, they were all over the place. The, the, uh, the bailers, I saw one, then it was three, then another one, you know, and he was just saying like, y'all don't have the right to be arresting me like this. You know, it said, I'll just take them to the, the holding room or something. And to, <laughs> to see something like that, like right there 
and I done been there over 10 years. And all of these reports I've called in, I've I never seen something like that. You know, and um, they said, yeah, he's supposed to have a certain person talk to him. But he was doing what was told of him. Like, they didn't have no means to do that to this guy. So um, I don't know if they're going to have a meeting on it or, or what. So, yeah, I just wanted to add that. The the same white woman, her boyfriend, sitting in jail with no bond, right? No bond for uh, cutting on a, a white woman throat. Another white. I said Wes Craven before, like that is straight up like uh, scream or, or something like yes, go slit a white woman's throat and the trail of blood. And we just had Friday the Thirteenth last week, like. This and she's the one. This nigger's dangerous. Better press the pentagon. <laughs> Are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> Man, you are married to the real life butcher of North Florida. <laughs> Talking about the picket or a boyfriend. Sorry, not married boyfriend, but <sighs> that is, and I mean, that is trauma right there. Like he said, uh, he said the, the images were still going through his head. Like, you know, just trying to process because it, it, it happened so quick. And that's how a lot of things, it, it can happen so quick that you don't even have, really have time to make sense of what's going on. Uh, it's just, you know, erupted right in front of you. Um, that in my view, that is total workplace trauma. Like to have to be there. <clears throat> and in my view, uh, observe like a total gang assault on uh, unprovoked on a victim of white supremacy unsuspecting uh, unprovoked attack just to hop on this uh, one black male what did he do and then the whole time through I mean that's so standard that was that a threat was that a threat <laughs> what are you talking about yeah. like <laughs> I'm asking yeah, provoking they're provoking Oh, sorry about that. I, that. I'm glad you pointed that out. You're like, is that a threat? Oh, I'm going to add on another charge. Like, the sergeant. And then he did, he mentioned, you know, Roots Kunta Kente. You know, talking about, I think he was talking about a history of white uh, terrorism. And, you know, calling him white boy and stuff. So, but he was in handcuffs. They they had dominated over him. So, yeah, that that's it. Uh, comply, I think, Mr. Fuller, all the, uh, F alliterations, you know, fighting and fleeing and fussing and all the rest of it. Like, but I mean, I'm, I am saying that now, if I was just sitting here minding my business, looking at the waves and four, I was going to say enforce, these aren't even four enforcement officials, like what? whatever some enforcement officials uh hop on you you've been shackled and all the rest like man i mean i would be so stunned i'm I'm not sure i would be uh coherent to stay totally codified and i mean hey you know lots of us we've been confused we haven't been we haven't heard mr fuller talk so we haven't you know got a good code for what to do but i mean man that is total trauma that's the sort of thing that i hope uh you and if other folks if you have those type of events Man, uh, take time to replenish. Uh, that's why I'm at the beach. Uh, try to find some things that, you know, are nourishing for your spirit, 
your mind because I mean just thinking like having that with you like you try to go home it's the weekend and you're trying to anything sleep eat and that's the image that keep coming back to you for you know aggressive uh, likely race soldiers jumping on an unarmed black person shackling him up and you know as he said trying to provoke him like they want to be even more aggressive and like what I said that census report I would expect more of this white people who are looking to be violent and aggressive with black people especially black men that's what I just heard especially black males looking to be violent and aggressive for no reason at all black people in general but I'd say probably especially black males Uh, I meant conniving conspiring conniving that was really conniving colluding not cavorting Uh, let's see Mm -mm 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 -mm. I miss no warning (laughs) we don't need to give a warning like what what that see that's what I mean about outlaw (laughs) I'm not looking to de-escalate isn't that the word that they've been using de-escalate we got the Rona you got half of the staff at the courthouse is tested positive why do I want to be touching people let's back up let me see if I can use my words to de-escalate got my gang we want to jump on a black person that's what we do in Florida Florida crackers that was I got the picture Florida crackers that's how we get down Uh, oh my god oh my god I couldn't even get off this one incident (laughs) the black male the Kunta Kinte and all that I just said crackers that's historical perspective you can pick one Florida crackers Kunta Kinte same thing he said I'm not going to suck dick just to stay out of jail. I'm going to take him at his word on that one. The man not. We just read that. We just read that uh, in uh, Geronimo Pratt autobiography. Randall Sullivan, Labyrinth, Tupac, and Notorious B.I.G. They said Tupac, when he was in jail, they had all those rumors that he had been sodomized while he was in prison. I'm going to take him at his word long history uh, of that uh, we've had Texas tough it's not Florida but same state where they talked about this was like 1930s where they talked about <clears throat> uh, white male correctional officers sodomizing uh, and raping black males I'm a, Dr. Curry Dr. Curry, man just that segment to hear him listen to that four white men jump on you provoke you was that a threat what what and he says that like what what (laughs) is there some record of that type of thing happening a white enforcement official you're captured and shackled and there's some sort of sexual proposition if you perform some sort of sexual act we won't charge you or take you to jail has that happened I'm thinking that's what he was I'm thinking that's what he was trying to say too. Um, some kind of knowledge about that going on in, uh, in the Department of Corrections or in the jail, the county jail. So he, he keeps coming back in to, to get an update on this case that um, to see if anything has been updated, a court hearing or anything. And the white people at the counter, they're being hostile and nasty from what the black female was telling me. 
So he reacts to what they give him. So that's just another white supremacist setup. And I said to I said to the, the boss, I said, hey, I you know I'm also seen like this. <laughs> the way I mean, not not exactly in the same form, in them being aggressive, but in other you know subtle ways. Because I'm also a black male, and I said it like that. So, um, yeah, the the whole department was quiet for the rest of the day. They did threaten to shank you. Uh, yeah, black male privilege. Uh, I I said that when uh, he what one I thought of the black male from before who was coming in to check on the sheriff, but then when he said the uh, the patron white female patron came in and got nasty and rude with the black males, well, I want to speak to your supervisor. I'm tired of talking to you. And the supervisor ended up being a black person too, but it just happened that he was a supervisor. So that was, well, whoever your boss is, Dickwer, get get me a white person. So well, my supervisor's black too. And I, go, eh. uh, and I said, man, when they go to report this, it's not a problem because I said, hey, don't he? He told us like twenty times the white people they fuss at the black supervisor there too, like. We hate him. We sit around and do unjust networking and are trying to get him fired. Like we're right there with your sister. Like <laughs> come join us in the click. We'll get your we'll get your number because we sit around and fuss at him too all day long. Like we're trying to get rid of him. Daily task. Like we got to sit here and endure this all day long. Tried as we have, he's still here. Even even having to get nudges from the uh, the warden and other white women who do work above him. Go ahead and crack the whip. You know, get on them. Fuss at them. You know, get them in line black uh black male privilege sunshine state 2021 uh man i'm <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> like uh replenish like i can't even imagine like having all of the other uh incidents i mean that's terrorism as well but i mean uh, and then they messed over the black female too <laughs> man like decompress like do some really fun activities and Wow. Uh, yeah. And decontaminate. They got all those uh, positive COVID-19 positive folks working there, too. Man. Uh, other folks, anything else they want to make sure they get in before we uh, wrap up for the week? Like, wow. Safety in the workplace. Folks satisfied? Anything else they need to get in last minute? We'll assume folks are satisfied. Check your policy and procedure. If they do uh, like the email updates or whatever it is, uh, you can email it, uh, download it, whatever it is. Uh, You can download it on your phone. Right. And read it at your leisure. If it's a long update, and it seems like with some of these policies, it could be might have changed the whole manual. If that's the case, you don't have to read the whole thing in one setting. You got a weekend coming up. Right. Uh, let's say it's 40 pages. You could read like 10, 12 pages per day, you know, or maybe it's Friday. So it's late. Maybe read five pages today. Shoot to read maybe 15 tomorrow, uh, 15 15, 20 tomorrow, 15, 20 
Sunday. In fact, you could even do like 10 tomorrow, 10, 15 tomorrow, 10, 15 on Sunday, and then finish it up on Monday. But take your time so that you can really process it and make sure it makes logical sense. If you had to explain it back to a six-year-old, you could do so where they would understand what it's going to be. You could put it in their language, but I mean, you could explain it back. Okay, I got it. That's the policy. I know what to expect. If you can't do that, ask questions, maybe do so via email so that you have an electronic time stamped response. Don't want to be blindsided by the Rona policy. The man not, my goodness. Race, class, genre, and the dilemmas of black manhood. Full title. Full title. I think we heard it all right there. Supervisors being fussed at and all the rest of it. Random citizens coming in who might even be reporting harassment by other enforcement officials. And this is what they're subjected to. Uh, we'll be here tomorrow. Compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Pacific. We'll catch up on news from the last seven days or so. Uh, again, uh, that bot war, yeah, reported alleged bomber uh, at the Capitol uh, Library of Congress, excuse me, uh, in Washington, D.C. Very important event. Uh, they negotiated with him for hours. Miriam I. Carey back in 2013. They accused her of perhaps having an explosive device of some sort. They did not negotiate with her or her one-year-old child. Sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. We will need a high-level functioning brain computer to solve our problems in addition to being sober. If you're going out and about dangerous times, that's all I can say. You heard what happened at the courthouse, Washington, D.C. They got this bombing white guy. Dangerous times. Be very alert about what's happening around you. I think it was a black female who was the one who saw this guy. Uh, the the bomber, Roseberry is his name, who saw him. Um, it's like, whoa, what is going on? And kind of alerted people. But be aware of what's happening around you. If someone looks like they're being hostile loud like this fellow Roseberry that's the white guy's name in DC hey this is not the time to confront what are you doing and ran, ran, ran. you're not going to talk to me That same thing we said before this is not the time for that at all you should be thinking this person could be armed might even have explosives who knows if you didn't leave your house prepared to kill and or die exit this fellow may be armed in fact this fellow or this gal might have an entire entourage ready to kill bomb whatever exit be safe if you're driving buckle up uh, we're trying to minimize contact with enforcement officials for obvious reasons uh, we are also going to need all of our attention buckle up not on the cell phone uh, when you are out and about just doing the small things that we can to stay safe and out of the clutches of law officers, race soldiers. That said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect 
at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. No name calling, no gossiping. Talked about that on the program today, like just small things that we could do that would have a huge impact towards solving the problem. Let race soldiers, let them be the ones that do all the name calling, call people by their proper name. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. You're a victim. Right. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.